Hey there, folks. Before we start today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, I'd just like to remind you guys that you can check out my daily sports column. It's free by going to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. You can just check out my Twitter to find the link there. Go check out chasethomaspodcast.com. There's a link on that page. Uh, But yeah, go check it out every day. New sports story in your email inbox. Uh, Yeah, go tell a friend, share it out, send it to anyone else you think would uh, like the newsletter. But yes, every single day, go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Just Google Sports Renaissance Man, Chase Thomas, whatever you're most comfortable with, go do that. Uh, If you are an Apple Podcast listener, don't forget to leave this show a five-star rating and review. Uh, It's important uh, to help the show continue to grow. And last thing, uh, very quickly, but uh, please email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com to uh, get your mailbag question in or any other questions that you might have about the show, about the column, anything like that. Uh, new mailbag columns go up every Friday. Uh, if you have any questions for the weekly shows that you would like us to answer on air, whether it's John Taylor on Wednesdays, Evan Swords on Mondays, the sports reporters on Fridays, uh, make sure to get those questions in and we'll read them on the show or I'll answer your questions in the mailbag on the newsletter. So, Go do that. Uh, again, that's chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, leave the show a five-star rating and review. Follow on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, I think that's it. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, the Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast rolls along as I am now joined by a first-timer, Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball. Lauren, good evening. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a crazy day, so I'm excited to calm down and, and just chat a little bit, talk some hoops. I don't know what you're alluding to. Was something going on today <laughs> in the NBA? Some, something. There, there might have been. There might have been something going on. I can't do it. I can't keep up with it while it's live. Like, are you someone who you you're just glued to your phone? You you have the notifications on from Shams and Woj, and you're just keeping up with everything. And you're just like, I love the the overload of information. Um, or are you someone who's like, I'll check it in the morning and I'll just go through everything and I'll read the pieces that I need to read. I, I can't do the the all night thing. Which one are you? You know, I it would probably be better for my sanity if I could just turn it off and check the next morning, but I can't. Mm. I have to be in like live time just as each report comes out. What happened? Who went where? What's going on? What does this mean for this team? Like I am just constantly uh, refreshing by the second. So yeah, unfortunately, I'm one of those. Interesting. Like I'm not at all. Like it drives oh, my girlfriend not? mad. It drives everyone mad because oh, I just gosh. I. I throw my fucking phone across the room. Like I don't, I don't want no any of it. Way. I don't, I don't, I can't do it. Like I, I just want to get the list. Like I hate drafts. Like I hate drafts. Like I will not Fair. sit there and watch it. I refuse. I refuse to. A uh, friend of the pod who's on every Friday, the Daily Beast, Robert Silverman. His girlfriend is like she calls it like the great list of names. Uh, like just <laughs> it really really funny. Like the, someone who's not a sports person's perspective on sports fans sitting there and listening to names being called for three hours at a time is insane Fair. and me looking that's at these deals like while they're happening that's like the amount of stuff i can get done in those eight hours and my brain just being uh, occupied by woes and champs i won't do it i won't let twitter win i refuse man you're you're better than me you're better than me because i all day today i just 
like at work, I'm going to be honest at work, I was sitting there, my brain just reeling what's about to happen, mm. what's going on. And then the second free agency starts, first thing that happens is Lonzo. And I'm like, all right, where's the, where's the Kyle Lowry stuff? And like, <laughs> it, it kind of started, but it didn't quite finish for, mm-hmm. as of right now. And so like, these are the types of things that I'm like, why is this being held up? Like what is happening? So these are the types of things where I have to be I have to be up to date with like down to the second because I have to be trying to, uh, I guess foresee what's going to happen next. But that's just me being a fan and just loving the NBA. But yeah, no, it's definitely chaotic and and probably bad for my productivity at work. That's for sure. Yeah, because it just it can affect my entire day. Like I got a text yeah, about Cam Reddish being in trade talks or being dangled out there. Uh, mm-hmm. by Schlenk to the Pacers and I I was furious like I was just mad like I was just on edge and I was like no because I'm a I'm a diehard cam guy and I just I'm dying on the cam can be Paul George Island and uh I won't I won't stand for it I won't stand for for cam to be shopped by Schlenk I, I, I won't do it I won't I won't do it Lauren but I don't know I I think it's just it is something that it just it's interesting because people hit me up and they'll just and it's just an all day thing where if it they is. know what I do, they're like, oh, what do you think about blah? And I'm like, this is why I keep my phone in the other room. Like uh, I'm I'm taking some notes. I'm doing some other stuff. I don't I don't want to have a back and forth about uh, how I think Keon Johnson's going to fit on the Clippers. I'm good. I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah. for the next hour. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, gi- I'll give you that. That's fair. Um, Your team, though, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Has anything happened since we started recording? Are, are they like, have they added anybody else? Like, uh, we should clarify. We're recording this at ten forty-five East Coast time. So, any mm-hmm. Mavericks changes that happen before tomorrow morning, we apologize. But as of right now, what like lay out this Mavericks team? What have they done thus yeah. far? So so far, they have brought in, they brought back Tim Hardaway Jr. Which, when those the details of that deal came out. Uh, that was very surprising. None of us were expecting him to come back under $20 million. Mm. Um, And with the structure of his contract, this next year he'll be making 16, which gives us, I'll just preface that, a little bit of flexibility to try and maybe do something with some more money this offseason. So I don't Mm. think the Mavs are done. Um, And so after that, we then went out and uh, brought in Sterling Brown, which had been reported, I think, already by uh, Jake Fisher, I believe it was. So that wasn't too, too much of a shock because he is a Dallas native. So when that happened, it was like, okay, great. Uh, we can use a a guy like that. We need a we needed a shooter. We need a guy that can that's a a wing. So uh, that was good. And then we brought in Reggie Bullock. And it was initially reported that he was going to split the MLE with Moses Brown, uh, who was acquired in the Josh Richardson trade. But since then, uh, th- there's been a little bit of, I guess like it hasn't been super clear what that I mean it was like it ended up for for Reggie Bullock like three for it was like three for 30 Mm. and so um that's that's fine but I don't think it was quite what we wanted it to be but it still fits within the trade uh the trade exception from the Josh Richardson trade so we are able to like there are ways that we can move kind of move this money around or at least get creative and, and operate over the cap so Dallas still has moves to make, but some of these guys keep going, I mean, keep getting signed. So Norman Powell getting signed was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, that's a pretty big deal or pretty big, pretty big contract. So like how would Dallas have made that money? But there are lots of ways Dallas could get creative um, and try to still, still make moves. I think the the easy kind of next step is Goran Dragic 
but we're still waiting to see like what that Kyle Lowry trade is going to look like, what's going to happen with DeMar. Like at this point, who's going to pay DeMar? Like, so, I mean, there are ways for us to create money. So it's really just, if someone tells us that they're coming here, we can create that money. We just, we, I don't know if, if, if somebody is, is ready to come here besides Drogic. Well, if there's one thing we should always bet on, it's Mark Cuban being able to reel in free agents when they have cap space. <laughs> oh God. Don't even get me started. A tradition I just... unlike any other, dating back to 2011, I uh, seem to recall. Yeah, it's it's been a rough it's been a rough ride, and and honestly, to going into today, it was kind of like we don't even know we don't know what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. the expectations are high. Even though this is a new regime, this is a new front office, you know, whatever. How how reasonable is it? Ex- to expect somebody to come in and have a massive front office overhaul. Like I get that argument, but like you took the job, you knew what you were signing up for. So like that is the expectation and I believe it's reasonable. And so, and I think a lot of people out there do agree with that. And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm waiting on this Rashawn Holmes, uh, Mm. deal because I, I think, uh, I think this Kyle Lowry thing is there's a lot hindering on that. A lot of dominoes waiting to fall. Like, where's Drogic? Is Drogic going to come here? Is, um, Rashawn, is it going to be? Ex- um, I do want Drogic. We, we, we do need, we need, a, we need another playmaker, but I would prefer to have Rashawn Holmes. He would do a lot, uh, he would do a lot more for us, or mm-hmm. he's more of a need than, than Drogic. So, uh, I love I love Goran. I love the connection. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but we need a guy like Rashawn Holmes for many reasons. So why do you I need, don't know. Why that do you need Rashawn Holmes? Oh, Lay out the case for Rashawn Holmes absolutely. right now. So he we don't have a rim running rim rolling uh, elite shop locker, and and I, some people might roll their eyes when they hear the word elite, depending on where you stand with Rashawn Holmes. But we have not had a shop locker of that caliber in a long time, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what we needed. Chris Absporzing is to be hasn't necessarily been that. And so you bring in someone like Rashawn Holmes, he can be that rim rolling guy who we kind of wanted Dwight Powell to be, but Dwight's just not quite big enough. There's the injury. There's just there's some like there's some problems there. And you you're not going to go very far in the playoffs with Dwight as your starting big next to Porzingis. Rashawn Holmes, it's a little bit different, like you're, that you're trending in the right direction. Um, and he takes a lot of the defensive pressure off of Porzingis, whoever you're playing, whether say this is the the easy example I, I like to use because it would show how versatile Dallas could be. If you bring in Rashawn Holmes, say you go up against the Knicks, Rashawn is going to pick up Julius Randle because he's more versatile as a defensive big man. Uh, if we go up against the Nuggets, Rashawn is still going to go up against Jokic because he's the more versatile defensive big man. And so that takes so much pressure off of KP as far as being this defensive anchor, which would allow him to remain more engaged on the offensive end and kind of getting back at least closer to where he was. I'm not saying that he's going to be New York Knicks, uh, Chris Tapps Porzingis, but there are lots of times when we'd be watching games and be like, he's not engaged on the defensive end and it is translating to what's taking place on the offensive end. And so you can't have that disconnect. And so bringing someone like Rashawn Holmes in would really, really help that. Um, so that's something that I'd really like to see. And again, that would also like in terms of injury, re-injury prevention, that would also be great because you're limiting Porzingis's opportunities where he's banging down low against someone like Jokic or Embiid or whoever the opposing big man is. Uh, and you can kind of allow him to function as more of the pick and pop guy that he's more comfortable being, uh, if he doesn't want to operate down in the low post. So it sounds like KP is still in your long-term plans in Dallas. Is that the case? 
Oh boy, <laughs> that's a loaded question. I'm gonna be honest because I continue to hear couple like rumblings. Mm. Um, so I, I, it's I don't as of right now. I would be very shocked if we were to trade Porzingis in like the next week or okay. with free agency going on. I don't think that that's going to happen. That would really shock me. Um, I think going into the draft, there might have been a couple of conversations being had, but nothing really materialized. Mm-hmm. So there is something still out there that I'm like, that could happen, but I don't really, I think it's very unlikely. So I just, I don't know. I, I would, if I would, I would bet that Porzingis starts the season with Dallas. I think kid is like, he likes the, uh, the duo. He likes it on paper. He wants to see if it can work before they feel like they absolutely have to move him. So I think it's the right move. You're not going to get a return for him right now or a good return for him right now. So you might as well try and make it work. If you can pay guys and bring them in with the trade exception you've created, the mid-level exception, the money you could create by moving Dwight Powell and Maxi, that's like $20 million, which is why I'm like, if, if DeMar were to say, hey, New York can't pay me, Chicago can't pay me, I'm not taking the MLE in the in Los and- in either of the Los- LA teams, uh, Miami just paid P.J. Tucker the MLE, so like, what's left? Am I going, mm. to, am I going back to San Antonio or am I going uh, to, to Dallas or, or wherever else? And so I think Dallas could create that money and DeMar could be an option, but I do think they've got their eyes set on Dragic. Is he a fit though? Does DeRozan DeMar? fit? Yeah. Uh, he, he's not the best fit, but mm-hmm. at this, for Dallas, it's not, I don't think they're looking at it as, because in the past it's been like, oh man, we don't really, like DeMar doesn't, the, the DeMar conversation is not a new one. Let me phrase mm-hmm. it that way, heading into free agency. This is not a new conversation. Uh, and the fit hasn't always been the greatest because Dallas plays with so much space. And so that's what they've always been so good at, especially when you have someone like Luca who's so big, who can just attack the paint and just find shooters. Mm-hmm. So DeMar on, in, on paper might not be the best fit, but Dallas needs shot creators. And so bringing back Tim was fantastic because we need a guy who can get hot and go off for 20 or 30 on a, on a good night. But if you can somehow bring in DeMar and we have with between the trade exception and some of the pieces that we can move now is a time where we could end up rolling a lineup, rolling out a lineup of potentially Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. uh, Dorian Finney Smith, DeMar DeRozan and Porzingis or Maxi or, Porzingis, Maxi, Demar, Tim, Luca. Like, there's there are lots of options depending on the matchup. And what we like about Demar, what Dallas likes so much about Demar, is the fact that he can put the ball on the floor and go get you a bucket. We don't have a guy on this. Like, I love Tim Hardaway Jr. I I like Porzingis, but outside of Luca, there's no one on this roster right now who can put the ball on the on the floor and get you a bucket. And so, for those reasons, you need someone like Demar because we haven't like Dinwiddie was another guy. I mean, he's still out there, but I don't feel super optimistic about that. And um, he's the guy that can put the ball on the floor and get you a bucket. But I just, I don't think that's going to happen. And so having someone like DeMar would definitely take the load off Luca, especially down the stretch. If Luca gets in foul, foul trouble, we all know he likes to uh, run that mouth a little bit. Um, but yeah, you need to have a guy like that. And so if they can do it right now and create the money, I think, I mean, it all depends on what DeMar wants to do. There's a, there's a solid chance he, I mean, there's a, there's a, it's more likely than not that he picks any of the other 30 teams than, than your team. So it, it, there's a lot still hanging out in the air and, and Dallas would have to make some moves to really move some money around. But that's why they just hired uh, bigger from the Brooklyn Nets to come in and be this cap whiz, the same cap whiz that was able to sign Kyrie Irving, KD and uh, DeAndre Jordan all in the, all in the same offseason. So there's a reason we brought him in. We got this new regime. They got to get creative, and they know that this is the offseason that they need to do it. So 
I know they're pushing for it, and I keep seeing the Dallas Morning News, the people, the most reliable Dallas sources saying that they don't think Dallas is done. And so we've, we, I'll be honest, I've heard that before. So I'm, I'm re- remaining cautiously optimistic, but I do think uh, there are moves to be made, and at the very least, um, Goran Dragic will be Mavs, be a Mav. So of the three, then mm-hmm. Holmes, Dragic, DeRozan. How many of the three would you say have a greater than a 50% chance of being a Maverick this time? Or in, like, let's just say two months from now. Oh, two months from now. I'm going to say, say that. I'm going to be some leeway. Yeah. I'm going to say only one of them. I think okay. uh, there are a lot of suitors for Holmes. like four for, I saw like the four for 60 mm-hmm. Dallas can definitely outdo that. But I think there's a little bit like the Toronto, the years on these deals are crazy. Like I look at a couple, yeah. every deal I'm looking at, I'm like, would love it if it was two. Would love it if it was yeah. one. Every yeah, player right? I'm seeing it, I'm like, I would love it if it was two. And I, I am terrified. Like the fact that Caruso got four years, it's crazy. Like paying, like the Hawks are dealing with this right now where it's like, no, you don't give Lou Williams a multi-year deal. This man was thinking about retirement. He was awful before he got here. Like he had a great run, but you cannot pay a backup point guard a multi-year deal like we just saw what happened with Gallinari like I have no idea what that contract is going to look like a year from now I'm going to guess bad like I am going to guess bad um I don't know a lot of these deals I'm looking at it and I'm like oh this sucks like I, I like just from my brief overview I'm like this is awful I am so glad the Hawks only have to pay John Collins yeah, the Hawks are actually in a really good position, which like last year, I wasn't really sure what to think of all the moves that they made. Mm-hmm. I was like, are they rushing the timeline? Like some of these younger guys that aren't uh, accelerating at the same trajectory that Trey Young is, what's going to happen there? And I mean, they proved everybody that they made the right moves. And so, and they're still able to, like the Gallinari contract, they could move off of that. In fact, I was expecting them to move off of that to bring John Collins back. So I think um, that's still possible. I think it's just yeah, they're going to like do some stuff. Yeah, they have so much something. flexibility. Right. So, um, and I, oh my God, their draft was fantastic, I thought. And so, I I mean, the, the Hawks are in a really great position. And that, like the Gallinari, I don't know what could potentially happen there as far as destinations. I know Dallas has always had their eye on Gallinari. That's, that's always. <laughs> and John Collins. <laughs> and John Collins. I... I, just, I mean, I know today that it was like, oh, they're not close on, on a number. But to me, there's just you make the Eastern Conference finals. There's no way John Collins is not wearing a Hawks uniform next season. So yeah. that's just me. But um, I know there are some people out there that, that disagree with that. But that's fine. That's that's what uh, Twitter's for, right? Yeah. I mean, they're just in a weird spot. I think the Hawks. Are yeah. Just, Capella being or Capella's going to have to pick a bigger role. And I was really high on Anyeka and Kong Wu. And he was yes. really, really good in the postseason. And he's gone for a while. So I'm concerned there a little bit but i also just sh- the fact that reddish was floating around in trade rumors to this point tells me that schlink is acknowledging that the the timelines are starting to get a little tricky with yes. a lot of guys and i think he's concerned but like herder is a more valuable piece to bring back than collins and this is something yes. I, it's interesting to see the national perspective on this where i'm like herder saved the hawks multiple times this postseason and his shot creation him being a secondary ball handler him being able to defend multiple positions he's just a more important player in today's nba than collins like you can find john collins anywhere you can't find kevin herter types you can't find guys who can find their shot and do the kind of cj mccollum stuff he does inside and he's he's good like kevin herter deserves a three to four year deal collins scares me because i just don't know if he'll become elite enough of a shooter it like his elite skill is rebounding 
Like that is right. elite skill. And I don't, I don't know if I want to pay that many years to somebody who also had to surrender a lot. Like he had to drop his role on this roster significantly. Like he had to become a winning player. And that meant him just taking a backseat and averaging nine and 10 a night. Like that is part right. of the deal now. And I wonder if he's okay with that long term. Cause like, if you, we pay you, you still have to be our sixth option. Like you still yeah. have to go that's in the backseat. So I just, I don't know how that's going to work. We'll, we'll see. Nate McMillan's done a much better job defining roles than Pierce, but mm-hmm. I am yeah. curious to see how that looks because Hunter's coming back. Reddish is now in the fold herders coming back like it's just a lot of mouths to feed and this is a good problem to have like you yeah. draft well you develop well but like bogey is back like there's just <laughs> it's gonna be fascinating to see how they juggle this because i think it's gonna be more complicated this year than it was um this past year um did you like the josh richardson trade did you are you happy with it um so that's 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 tough because oh god that is so tough i'm gonna try to keep it short um as short answer, I guess yes, because we needed like we need bigs. We need different bigs than we have, to be honest with you. Um, but and Josh Richardson, I just don't think was a good fit in Carlisle's system. So we had yet to see what he was going to look like in uh under Jason Kidd. And so I'm like, look, Kidd wants to play with pace. Josh Richardson likes to play with pace. What would that have looked like? We'll never know. But Dallas also has to make significant moves this free agency. And so when I saw the Josh Richardson trade go down and it was essentially a salary dump, I thought it was a great trade for both sides, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, so we get a young big back in Moses Brown. We'll TBD to see what that looks like. Um, but I thought it was a good move to move off of that money. And it told me, I tweeted this out, that um, Dallas, like that's not, a, you don't move a starter. A guy that would start for you, you don't move him unless you're planning on filling that role or you're planning on bringing somebody else in or using that money elsewhere. And so to me, I was like, okay, they've got a couple of, they're looking at some things uh, and and trying to, trying to create some money. And so personally, I also think something that might be out there is a potential. If, if Dallas, for some reason, like the Gorn thing falls through uh, or for whatever reason, Dwight Powell doesn't end up going to Toronto. I would keep an eye on um, Indiana and a potential Jeremy Lamb swap. Um, Miles Turner kind of continues to, I mean, he does continue to be shopped. I don't really see him getting moved, but Rick Carlisle loves Dwight Powell. I loves Dwight Powell. And uh, Jeremy Lamb is some, like he's, he would be fantastic. I don't really know that we need another wing after signing, bringing back Tim, Reggie, and uh, now Sterling Brown and with like, I don't know, but I, I would never have to be wings. You can, exactly. NBA. Exactly. And so like, I wouldn't be mad about that at all. Uh, but yeah, those $10 million contracts, like if you move them around to get something that you know, you will need, like the Jeremy Lamb thing is a perfect example. Whereas Josh Richardson, I love him as, as a, as a, as a person, as a, as a player. Like, I just don't think it was necessarily the great fit with this system or the best fit with this system. Uh, you have to jump on the opportunity to move off of $10 million if you're going to go out and be aggressive in free agency. And there was, I mean, theoretically, or not theoretically, there was a path, a way for us to have the money to pay both Kyle Lowry $30 million and DeMar DeRozan $25 million. Like there was a way for us to do that. So I was like, my God, I know we're not Miami. I know we're not New York or LA, but if we can both pay you what you want to get paid, I know you're super close with Jimmy Butler, but you can play with a top 
five player in the league, depending on where you stand with that. Mm. Depending on where you stand with that top mm-hmm. ten player in the league, <laughs> you know you see you see what mm-hmm. I mean. But Luka Don, like that. I mean, the, and you would have still had Porzingis. Like there was a way to have put a solid group together. So I just, I don't know. It's it's I, I that was something that I struggled with because I was like, look, I gotta try and separate like my Homer bias with uh, with the Mavs between mm-hmm. like what's most realistic. And so the Kyle Lowry thing just continued to seem like it was he was going to Miami, but I never was I was never in the position where I was like, Demar's going to be willing to take an MLE just to go be on a team that can contend. I was like, there's just no way that happens. There's really no way that it happens. So it still could happen. But that would really, really blow my mind. So I don't. I just don't know what's going to happen next. I think Dallas, like right now, they're pretty. I think they're they're pretty close to having spent the money that was available to them in their cap oops cap space this summer. But they have they still have moves to make, and they need to go out and make them because I hate to break it to you, but we're essentially running it back right now, as of right now, minus a starter in Josh Richardson. So that's not good. You got to go out and do something. And so I think they know that. And I think they have moves in place. I will say, I also tweeted this out. The fact that they got, like they made signings the second free agency started was a great sign because in the past it has always been, you know, day three or four, we'll sign somebody and we'll kind of get the leftovers. Like this domino will fall. These players will go to the big markets and then we'll get whatever's left. And that's kind of what it's always been. And so seeing that not be the case was really great, um, but oh, Rashawn Holmes is staying with the Kings. I, I did want to tell you on the podcast. I, I just saw that. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm livid. Anyway, keep it's a live reaction. I like it. I don't. Oh, I I don't. <laughs> I just don't get it because why would you, I'm sorry. I don't understand why he would say stay there four years for fifty five million. Like he could have got more on better teams, which is what I just don't get. So very confused by that. But I'm not an agent, so it's not my it's not my business. Um, last thing we'll wrap up here tonight, Lauren. Um, okay. Something that I think is the most interesting with mm-hmm. this Mavs team. This is gonna be a two parter. This is gonna be a two parter. Go for it. Sounds good. They're not related at all. Uh, This is why I'm I'm just a great question asker. Um, (laughs) The ideal backcourt mate for Luca looks Mm -hmm. like who? Let's answer that one because it's unrelated to the next one. So there's no point in me dropping the the, the second shoe to drop, I think is the expression is what people say. The second. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. (laughs) So are are, are you suggesting like I can pick anyone in the league? Like, yeah. What? Or not even like a player. Like who is... The type like a prototype? Player. Yeah, who is the prototype? Because I think he is more interesting to figure out who the prototype is than a lot of other players around the league. Who is the prototype next to Luca? Next to Luca. Hmm. Let's see. The I mean, ideal. Mm-hmm. That makes him happy and also fits the best. Right. So, like, obviously, if I'm creating a prototype, like, I'm not just gonna like throw out like a like a, a Steph Curry or some somebody mm-hmm. that's like that doesn't even make any sense. So, like, trying to keep it most realistic, somebody as close to Lonzo would have okay. been a good prototype. I think they had their eye. They've had their eyes set on someone that has experience. Lonzo doesn't necessarily Marcus have that. Smart. See, I don't know that they go for Marcus because he's not as solid slash consistent of a three point shooter as. Um, 
Lonzo would have been, mm-hmm. and he's not as good of a playmaker as Lonzo would have been. And paying him twenty, paying Lonzo twenty one million dollars would have jumped at the opportunity to do, to do that, but we didn't, so that's fine. Um, but Marcus Smart, like, I would not be mad at calling the Celtics up again, especially kind of seeing what's coming out there. Yeah. Like you need somebody who can handle the ball and who can provide you with defense. Luca is an underrated defender, but like you need someone who can kind of be like a like a three and D off the ball guy, which is Lonzo. That's Lonzo. And so it kind of blew my mind that we weren't pushing after him as hard as we could have been. But if we were to do that, I don't like it would have been really, really hard to keep Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, so I kind of get that. But Lonzo is probably as close to, in my opinion, as perfect as a as a complimentary uh, backcourt duo other half, I guess, if you want to phrase it that way. Okay. Second question. Mm-hmm. Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison were the right choices to lead this organization in the next five years. Clairvoyant, Lauren, yes or no, five years from now? Um, Five years from now. Oof, God, that's so tough. That's really tough. I love this question because what's going – can I – here's my prediction. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen – is five, oh, five years from now. I, to be honest, I don't know if Kid makes it that far. I mm. really don't know just because of his X's and O's ability, but it could go the complete other way. And this is my actual prediction is I think his relationship with Cuban and the rest of the Mavs former players in this front office are going to kind of stick together or they're going to like, there's going to be a little bit more um, patience just because of the history of the relationships. And Luca is so good that they're going to like somebody it might, it might might not be Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal but somebody is going to say I want to play with Luka Doncic and at some point it's probably not gonna be next year or even this year but it's going to happen at some point and we're about to pin this guy down pencil him in for five more years mm-hmm. it's going to happen at some point and so if you can get the right pieces around him the right guys I think you can I mean he's that good you can get yourself to at least the Western Conference Finals. And I think at that point, because of the kid relationships with all the players, the Nico relationships from Nike, everyone is going to say it was worth it because we were able to reel in via a forced trade from somewhere else or a free agent with the money that we somehow don't have but will be able to create the same way the Lakers do. Um, They will deem it a success because of that. And so it will be like, okay, well, how much of that was on Nico, how much of that was on Kid, or how much of that was because Luca really is so good at 22 years old, 25 years old, whenever the time comes. So it's hard because were they the right hire? Like, Nico was the right hire. Uh, Kid, like, that conversation has been had so many times. I wrote an article about it. Like, that has been, we've had that conversation. But I do think that there is a timeline where if you get someone that forces their way here through free agency, through trade, whatever it is, to play with Luka, and they get to the Western Conference Finals or the Finals or win a title, they are going to say this was the greatest thing Dallas ever did. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. And, like, that's a lofty goal. Like, look at the teams around the league right now. Look at how these – like Brooklyn continues to like just look at how some of these guys group together. You know what I mean? So it's like 
Luca by himself, Luca with Porzingis, Luca with Damar and Porzingis is not going to take down Brooklyn or Golden State or, or well, you know, I'll come back to that one. You know what I mean? Or the Lakers. But there's, I think, if you continue to give Luca the opportunity to grow and develop and get experience and people continue to see what he does and you put yourself in a position with the structure of contracts to be able to move off of them if you need to create the money or put a package together to go get someone then you need to be able to do that and you need to be thinking like years ahead like right now like People got their eyes on Carl Anthony Towns. When's that going to happen? People even have their eyes on Zion. When's that going to happen? Because New Orleans, good God. Good God. Like, people have their eyes on these situations. I mean, it would Dallas- Trey if the season didn't go this way. Like, that's the dirty little secret of, like, what was going on here is that, like, if Trey in the season doesn't go the way the Hawks needed it to go, like, he's ass. I, I, I firmly believe Ray Young and the Trey Young family is having conversations about okay we're we're not signing the supermax we're we're looking elsewhere really like this is it's amazing how loyalty becomes this beautiful thing where it's like i would never like it's this for the city blah blah blah. but it's like no they lucked out like this was a desperation offseason um they were several games under 500 mid-march looked bad lloyd pierce was fired like that was it like it (laughs) just an unreal 180 like they were it was dire straits. Like you don't sign Gallinari, Bogdan, <laughs> and everything else if you're you you believe in your long term plan. It is I am in self preservation mode, and we need to make sure that we keep Trey happy and not have to let make him do everything and have to share the backcourt with Brandon Goodwin on important <laughs> nights. Like that was uh, that was a real oh gosh yeah possibility, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's tough, and 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 kind of going back to guess full circle with the draft that they just had. And, and kind of linking it to the John Collins situation. Like, I'm going to be really fascinated with what Atlanta does because I don't know how far they are with the John Collins, like how far away they are with the John Collins uh, number, whatever. But Clint Capella is making $18 million, has the player option in 2023-24. So, like, they've, they're going to be spending significant money. Or, sorry, that's the that's Bogdan's uh, contract. $18 million until 2023. Mm. So, he's got Worth that. every penny. Absolutely. Like, wow. Him in the in the postseason. Poor oh, my God. Poor knee. Perfect. Perfect. And so, like, he was killing it out there. Mm-hmm. Same with Okongwu. The injury is a real shame. Um, but they've got so many options. Like like you mentioned before, DeAndre Hunter. Like, Hunter oh scares my. me. I think there's some real You're, long-term issues with his knee. Like, I think like we're at injury the point. prone. Yeah. yeah I I, I'm a little nervous there, too. Uh, I'll, I'll, He's I'll, also I'll older. Yeah, he is a little bit older. He's 23, 23. He's but, like, Oh, is he 24 now? Yeah. He's like five years older than Cam Reddish. Like, that's the other thing. It's like Cam's so young, and just the age difference is just... Yeah. No, Hunter is who he is, and he was doing some stuff off the dribble this year that was really cool before, and he was important in the New York series, but like, yeah, no, he is who he is, but uh, I don't know. I'm concerned. I'm I'm wondering... I want to ask you. I'm wondering if um, bringing in someone like Jalen Johnson, who, like, there's some questions, but he was projected... To go pretty high and like after opting out like I think that's kind of what one of the things that really hurt him was the fact that there wasn't as much data on him as there was Mm -hmm. all the other prospects. You don't need data when you quit on your team like that Lauren. You don't need data. Take that for data. When you quit on your team. When you prioritize your own personal well-being and your own health. Look man. For free. So but but let me ask but do you think that 
like and and I don't want to say take the injuries out of it because you you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. But Okongwu, Hunter, Jalen Johnson, like young group, Cam Reddish, if he sticks around, like and considering the money that's being paid to Clint Capella and Gallo currently, do you have to pay John Collins? Like you do. I mean, you there's no I think way it's just they the don't. Ba- it's optics. Collins is an optic yeah. pick. Like it's just that's what right. you're saying to your fan base. Like it's just an optics thing. Yeah. Do you think if for some reason somebody comes out of nowhere and like throws him crazy money, like, like it, this is not going to happen? I but think it would like, happened. I think so too. I think it would too. Do you? But say like OKC comes out of nowhere and they're like, actually, we're going to switch gears. We'll throw like crazy money at John Collins that Atlanta is not even considering matching. Like, do you think that they would say, all right, well. I think if the price got too high, yes. I think there is a limit. Think I think there would, is a number. Like a sign and trade type? Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a number. And I think they know the number for fans where they're like, oh, yeah, he's not worth that. There's a number where Atlanta fans be like, oh, yeah, that's outrageous for John Collins. Yeah. There's for, I mean, for a, for a long time, like Mavs fans were like, oh, my God, John Collins. Like, wow. But it's like we just – the def- and this kind of goes back to what you were saying about Kevin Herter. Like Kevin Herter has more value, and people might disagree with that. But if you're a big man – that might not be super, super strong defensively and your offensive ceiling is still like you've shown significant improvement, but there's still questions as to what you can really be by the time you hit your prime and are going through your prime. And but your defensive struggles are very clearly laid out. He was great against Randall in that first round series, but it's also just like he doesn't make Trey's yeah. life easier. Herder makes Trey's life easier. Like he True. lets Trey rest. He gives Trey somebody else that he believes in can hit shots when Trey doesn't have her. He's not there. Like Trey trusts Herder. Like he does not trust Collins to go get him a bucket when we need somebody else to create. Like Herder can create for himself. Like that is someone that Trey trusts. And I think everything is about who does Trey Young trust going forward. That's yeah. Oh, the John Collins stuff is going to be so interesting because even if it's even if they throw him the money, like what's it going to look like in two years? I really have no idea. These are there are so many situations like John Collins in league. It's crazy. Lauren, we have to wrap here, but this was a blast. What can we check out from you across Mavs Moneyball, the podcast front? Uh, what would you like to plug as we wrap up here tonight? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at L gun with four ends. Uh, all my work is linked to there. All my Mavs Moneyball articles drop drop there are linked to my Twitter. Um, I do co-host the Blue Hardwood podcast with Brian Zillum, uh, along with the gunshot with my brother Grant Gunn. The Blue Hardwood focuses on the Dallas Mavericks and the gunshot uh, kind of takes a step back and focuses on the NBA as a whole. So uh, all my work all the podcast links it all you can find them anywhere you get your podcast but it all also goes through my twitter so you can find me there all right well keep up the great work this was a blast we'll have to do this again soon absolutely thank you so much for having me this was awesome Hello and welcome back as the Monday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast rolls along where I am joined by someone I have not talked to in I think three years, Bill Alfstead, who hosts a very good Seattle Seahawks podcast called the Seattle the Seahawks Playbook Podcast and you can follow him on Twitter at NWSeahawk. Bill, good evening, sir. How are you? Hi, Chase. How are you doing? Yeah, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show again. It, it has been like three years. I have to tell you, uh, thank you, A., uh, because you were my uh, very first outside of my own uh, universe uh, interview I ever did with anybody else on on, a, on their own podcast. So uh, it goes way back. 
it does i like it it's weird do you do you experience this at all or you think about it where i mean it's just things change quickly and you realize that you've been on in this industry and you've been around a lot of stuff where people you just are like oh they're that now or they have a five-year-old now or like it's it's very strange <laughs> exactly. for me to see that yeah it just it's a constant change which is which is uh, actually why i love it i mean really you know you take a look at nfl rosters more or less uh, they do a almost a complete turn in a roster in, in three years. Now you're going to keep your core guys, but 90% of your roster is completely different. Absolutely. Well, you are familiar with this team called the Seattle Seahawks, and I wanted to pick your brain tonight, Bill, on this team because we did our NFC West preview uh, a week ago, and uh, Evan and I disagreed on uh, their perspective, and he, being a 49ers fan, may have influenced his his judgment a little bit, but like, do you just pencil in and do Seahawks fans pencil in just double digit wins for the Seahawks? Because I see this a lot where people are just like, this is the year things really fall apart. This is the year them yeah. not having the Legion of Boom and this and relying on Alden Smith and Carlos Dunlap on the edge and Trey Flowers out wide that you're like, okay, this is the year it finally breaks and there's only so much they can do. Wilson could do. And then you're like, oh, they won 10 games again or all oh, they won 11 games again. Um, are you just penciling in this group as long as Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are coaching this team that they are going to win at least double digit games every year? I think there is a certain amount of truth to that. I mean, when you really look at Russell Wilson as a football player, I think you do have to establish a floor with Russell. You know, he's only uh, lost nine games or, or won as few as nine games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple to, uh, times. I think it's once. And, and so that's kind of the floor. And so all you can do is really kind of go up from there. And they continue to put decent rosters around him. Some are better than others. Some uh, position groups are stronger than others in certain years and so forth. I have to tell you, uh, this year, um, after looking at all the teams in the division, it's going to be a tough division. Um, however, I think the Seahawks roster really does stack up pretty well this year. They've, they've added some key elements. They brought in new offensive coordinator, Shane, Shane Waldron, from the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think that's going to really help uh, Pete Carroll kind of get what he wants in a little bit more balanced offensive approach. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to run a ball a ton more, but it's going to be balanced as well as more efficient. That's going to give uh, Russell Wilson some more opportunities, increase that tempo a little bit, spread the ball around. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, I really do kind of think that they're probably uh, a 12-win team again this year. They were 12 wins last year. I don't understand some of the national punditry out there that's kind of assigning them a, a big fall uh, from from their, um, you know, where they're at. Uh, I think they're they're right back up there, probably in the conversation to, to take the division. Uh, when you take a look at the Rams, they lost Cam Akers. That's huge. And um, it's unsettled in, in uh, San Francisco. And, um, you know, Trey Lance looks great in camp early. They kind of almost handed that job to Garoppolo to lose. He may end up losing it by the time the first game rolls around the way that things look in camp so far. I think they're going to be patient with him. I, I don't know. I, I think if Garoppolo is healthy, they're going to they're going to take their time. I don't think they're going to rush Lance out into that because um, I think they do have Super Bowl aspirations. And with a rookie quarterback, you're just you're not getting there. Uh, I totally agree. Um, well, it's interesting you bring up Walden. And I wanted to pick your brain on this because we saw what the Seahawks did down the stretch last year prior to the Rams playoff game. And we'll get into that. But like. When you look at the the difference, the the tale of two two seasons offensively for this group and kind of being slow starters and stuff like that, but like, is there something specifically where you were like, okay, Schottenheimer 
and Russell Wilson, there is a disconnect here. This doesn't work because Russell Wilson was getting MVP buzz last year. Like Russell Wilson flourished with this offense for years. Like he flourished under Schottenheimer. And like, I don't particularly in love, love his work. Uh, I, I see uh, he's just not, he's, he's okay. He's fine. But like, I, I wonder from your perspective, did you think, were you jotting down notes during these weeks of like, okay, this is where they're holding Wilson back? Or is it just more of like, yeah, the diversity and just the, the playing more like the Sean McVay style is going to help, uh, help them. And, you know, they did lose to Sean McVay in the playoffs, but like, w- do you think it's really going to be that obvious of a change going from Schottenheimer to Walden on the field? Yeah, that's an interesting question. A very good question, actually, because it does kind of provide some insights uh, when you open up the hood a little bit to what was going on inside the dynamic of the team and the roster last year. Um, a lot of folks attributed that sort of precipice fall halfway through the season, um, the, the dynamic between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. That was kind of the obvious thing that was kind of showing up uh, week in, week out. Everyone kind of thought, based on the fact that uh, let Russ cook was going on, the first part of the year and they were setting all sorts of, uh, you know, yardage records and completion percentage and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. He was a clear MVP, uh, front runner at that point. And then things just kind of slowed down. Defenses learned, uh, how to play the Seahawks, um, one dimensional offense pretty well. And what I mean by that is, uh, Brian Schottenheimer, uh, just went back over and over again to the well to get that deep ball going. And, uh, consequently, Russell was taking a lot of sacks. Um, the offense was sputtering. Teams were putting, um, you know, more defensive backs uh, t- to defend that. And we weren't able to consistently move the ball. Our defense kind of stepped up at that point, And uh, we came, became an okay team, got to 12 wins, went to the playoffs, lost in the first round. Um, that kind of was attributed ultimately to Brian Schottenheimer as having kind of a ceiling, limiting the offense to just, uh, one thing and not really being diversified enough to adapt uh, during the season to what defenses were uh, allowing them to do or taking away. And so during the offseason, I thought it might have been a possibility that he may have been let go, but just wasn't quite sure. And sure enough, uh, he had a meeting with Pete Carroll uh, right at the end of the season and he was dismissed. And, um, you know, Russell wasn't too defensive about it. Um, I, I think he was defending his relationship more with Schottenheimer as opposed to having him as a coach. And I think he did have a lot of input on the Shane Waldron hire. I do believe that you're going to see over the course of the year, uh, Shane trying to adapt some of what Russell does really well, which is throw the long ball. But he's going to incorporate that short passing game, that quick tempo thing that we've seen get the wide receivers out into open space. Guys like um, Taylor, uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, we've seen what DK Metcalf can do when he gets the ball in open space. Uh, he's tremendous, uh, very athletic, very, very fast, obviously. And uh, we just didn't see enough of that last year. So I think uh, Russ actually increases his, his efficiency. I think the team, the offense stays on the field longer this year, it gives everybody more opportunities to kind of put the ball in the end zone. 
How much of it do you think, too, because I always wonder about this with coaches where their coordinators are kind of the scapegoat, especially when it comes to offense, where it's like there's still something about the coach. Like Kirby Smart is kind of dealing with – Georgia fans were dealing with this on the collegiate level where it's like they're close. He's a defense-oriented guy. He's clearly not comfortable with where modern-day offenses are going, but he has to evolve or die. Like Saban had to evolve and or die, and he hired Lane Kiffin, and things changed. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder, do you think Pete Carroll – someone i mean he is the oldest coach in the nfl is he an evolve or die guy offensively because he is a defensive guy um but you know they they have to continue to evolve and stop taking rashad pennies in the first round um (laughs) that is a thing (laughs) yeah but like do you think part of this is simply what kind of offense pete carroll wants to run and it might not necessarily matter if it's walden uh daryl bevel or um Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah, that's a great question. It's probably a two-part question. I think the first part can be answered pretty quickly, and I think it just comes down to trust with Pete Carroll. I think if uh, if you've got his trust, earned his trust, I think he's going to leave you alone. You're going to be able to run the offense the way that you see fit, adapt to the personnel that you've got, and it generally has worked out pretty well. I think uh, the stats kind of bear that out if you look at it over a long period of time. Russell Wilson's consistently in the Pro Bowl. He's, I mean, this is not a quarterback that's um, not getting opportunities. So uh, with that said, I think this is probably one of the most consequential signs um, that, that Pete has made as far as bringing Waldron in. Just based on the timing alone, you're right. Pete's getting up there. He's 70 years old. He's got a contract that runs through, I think, 2025. Uh, there's a lot of anticipation out there that he may not even go that long um depending on how this thing goes if it if the wheels come off they don't meet expectations um there could be a lot of discussion this off season about that transition um if things go really well if um russell wilson is is happy uh pete is winning we get to maybe to the nfc championship game um i you could definitely see pete uh stay here i think the offense is is kind of the national narrative versus the reality inside the organization are just slightly different. You know, the perception is Pete's this way, Pete's that way. He's a defensive guy. He kind of he kind of uh, intrudes upon his coaches a little bit, kind of dominates. That's true a little bit, but only in a cultural sense. He's mm-hmm. the the leader. He establishes that culture, the the the, the winning kind of um, mindset, and then he really does trust his coordinators to be able to put things together and and do things um so i to answer your question i do believe this is probably his last contract now i could Hmm. be completely wrong um he's he might be 70 years old but i think he could probably energy wise compete with any 50 year old uh coach in the national football league um he's just amazing that way but you know father time always wins i mean the trident's keeping him going, I think. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, do you know what kind of gum he chews? Does he, has he ever revealed that? I, I don't know specifically what gum he uh, uses, but he's, I think he goes through like uh, 12 or 14 different pieces of gum each game. Really? Yeah. He chomps. I mean, it just is constant. It's crazy. That's wild. Um, I think he said it was a bubble yum. I mean, not to like kind of, Put that out there for. Uh, uh, there's no conf- there's no conflict sponsor okay. wise. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so but uh, I think that, I think I heard him say that once. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what I think is most interesting too about the Seahawks team is that so Rodgers' complaint, like when you look at because we've moved on, the news cycle moves on, but something that really irked me, um, and I think the Seattle Seahawks fan base has a right, and Pete Carroll too, and um, Schneider as well to be peeved at Russell Wilson, in that they built an era offense, like they've won a Super Bowl with him, they went back. They have built a team that wins double-digit games every year. A lot of that has to do with Russell Wilson, but a lot of that still has to do with the offense. They make their offensive line decisions based on what Wilson can do outside the pocket. They take big swings on running backs. They take big swings on DK Metcalfs, and they have added Tyler Lockett's. They've added Doug Baldwin's. They've built teams around him that are great, like Legion of Boom may be the best defense of all time around Russell Wilson. Him wanting to go to Chicago. Him wanting to go to bad organizations um and also be like oh i want to win i want to just change scenery and stuff like that well um but then to play it off and i read the quotes from russell i'm not a seahawks fan from your perspective are you annoyed at his arguments because i think wilson's wrong like i think wilson when i hear him speak i'm like russell wilson's wrong here like pete carroll and schneider they should i'm sure it's like nails on a chalkboard like what do you want us to... We're, we're doing... We're building this team entirely in your image. We've paid you. We've won the Super Bowl with you. We went to another one. We are right there every year. Um, you have a really great thing here. We're not drafting your replacement in your prime. Like, Aaron Rodgers has a right to be annoyed at them taking Jordan Love. He has a right to be annoyed at the lack of resources put into uh, surrounding him with the Tom Brady, Tampa Bay-like talent. He has a reason. Like, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you have you can point to Pittsburgh and New Orleans and be like, that's what you guys should be doing for me. Like, Peyton and Denver. Like, this is what you should be doing for me right now. Like, I'm the MVP of the league. Do this. The Seahawks do that every year. And I don't, I don't think he's right here. Like, this is something where it's like, I think sometimes players are right. Sometimes fans and front offices and coaches are right. And I think with Seattle and Wilson, I, I lean towards the fan, Carroll, Schneider and the fan base. Like, it, it, is that a fair characterization of the situation? Wow. I mean, you said a lot of stuff there. Um, I think that um, some of it is fair. A, a, a large amount is not. And okay. let me, let me be clear. I think that you're correct in the fact that as a, um, as an organization, as Pete Carroll, as John Schneider, Seattle Seahawks, They've done a great job with Russell Wilson. There's relationships there that transcend money, that transcend football itself with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And those guys are really, really close. This thing kind of got away a little bit in the offseason from Russ. Uh, Pete Carroll first came out when this first started, uh, end of season news conference. So this is a couple days after the season. And he made a statement about the offensive line. And he said, there's two areas that we'd like to be able to do better next year, yeah, at center and at guard. And I think Russell heard that and felt like he maybe had a little bit of a permission there to go out and say maybe something on his own. So he went on to the Dan Patrick show and a few others and made some comments. Um, I think those comments got kind of taken a little bit of, out of context. And then it just snowballed. And so so there was a situation where this thing kind of got uh, out on its own. And uh, Russ couldn't contain it. Neither could the team. 
the team's policy is basically they want to stay quiet on these sort of things and just kind of let this thing play out. And they asked Russ to do the same thing. About that time, his agent came out, unbeknownst, I think, to Russ that he was going to do this in public. And uh, the team didn't know. He made the four-team uh, trade option uh, comment that he would go to you know Dallas and New Orleans and Chicago and uh, I think uh, Las Vegas. Mm. And so that narrative start, and that was just over the top, right? And then you had guys like Brandon Marshall who said that he had a relationship with Russ, uh, reaffirm Russ's positions on these things. Well, at that point, Russ has gone kind of quiet, the team's quiet, and this whole thing, this uh, becomes a media narrative. Now, uh, did Russ really want to get traded? No, I do not believe so. Did this thing really get uh, out of control a little bit on a media narrative? I do believe it did. And I think that the relationship, and I believe Pete, when he came out and said after the draft that Russ and him continued to have conversations throughout this entire process and they're as close as ever, and they're on the same page, and they want the exact same thing. And I believe Russ when he said, I had input on Shane Waldron. That's my guy. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so there's there's two sides. And I, I personally, knowing the organization pretty well and, and following Russ, it's out of character for this to happen with Russ, number one. Number two, I do believe Coach, because I don't think he has really anything to gain or lose commenting either way and so i think that it's just one of those situations that just got out of hand now does that dictate that something's going to happen this next season it's the nfl anything can happen at any time russ has got a huge contract he's got a lot of dead cap space even next year trades seem unlikely to me could he play out his contract i think that might be likely uh or he stays for a very long time and he outlasts Pete Carroll, and it becomes Russell's team for the most part. And, um, you know, we can continue to, to go on. But I really do believe that it was just kind of one of those media narratives that just got way out there. And um, I think you're seeing now it's come back down to normal, and nobody's really even talking about it anymore. And that's, I think, a tribute to, to Pete and, and Russ and the way that they handled, handled that ultimately. Interesting. He did say, apparently, to Carlos, he did tell Carlos Dunlap that he's with us and he's here to stay. So, yeah. um, I'm just interested if that's the case next offseason, if they win one playoff game. They, yeah, you and me zero. both. Like, I, that is know, what I'm curious. I, just I don't feel think like, that the status quo is, is um, acceptable. Right. I think that the team has made enough improvements, added enough key players in different spots where if they don't get to the division round and win a game and get to the NFC championship game, it does seem like one of those years where it's that important to get there. I think the, sh the pressure on Shane Waldron right now to be successful in transiting um, Russ from the old scheme to the new and having it work is just, you know, it's out of this world. So all, all the focus is going to be on him early. If this thing works, it's great. Everybody wins, man. If they struggle, it's uh, it's anybody's guess. Last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Um, what is like, we haven't talked about the defense at all. Like, I just think this defense is so fascinating because it. Like, I don't know where the answers are. Jamal Adams is an answer, but you look around, and I'm just like, it's Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. But then I look everywhere else, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know 
how how they're stopping anybody. But then you look at where their PFF grade was defensively last year wasn't awful, middle of the road, and I was like, hmm, I don't I don't have any idea what to expect from this defense. I just know Tree Flowers was really bad last year. I know mm-hmm. that the pass rush days of Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill and everybody else are gone and counting on Carlos Dunlap and Alden Smith or whoever. Um, it's not great. Um, are you at all concerned with how much attention has been paid to Waldron and this group that the defensive concerns loom large, especially with Adams contract extension and stuff like that. But like how concerned are you about the defensive pieces that are just available right now to turn this unit around? Well, there's definitely an unproven uh, aspect to this defense. And I think that you're seeing that play out on a national narrative. I think everyone that's kind of really close to the team and paying really close attention is seeing a lot of uh, good things, a lot of potential here. And and the key word really is potential with this group. Last year, they started awful. They tried to integrate uh, Jamal Adams into the defense. I think that really hurt them initially. They had a lack of pass rush right out of the gate. And so they were blitzing and scheming Adams Um to get to the quarterback quite often that was leaving the back end vulnerable we were getting torched on a historic level on the defensive back side of the the football and then um adams got hurt a little bit he came back uh mid-season and the team all of a sudden uh got really um really put together really well carlos dunlap came over in a trade and all of a sudden they were performing like a top defense so at the beginning of the year the first eight games they were ranked 31st in the NFL in total defense. In the second eight games, they were ranked number one overall in total defense and almost led the league in sacks and uh, ended up finishing about 15th overall. And so I have pretty high expectations, to be completely honest with you. I think that they've got some pieces at defensive tackle. Uh, they, they shipped out Jerron Reed, uh, lost him in free agency, or didn't, didn't lose him, but he was actually released. Um, they've got some pieces at defensive end um, in, in a large rotation sense. They don't have one big, huge star. You can say Carlos Dunlap is, but he is 32 years old. They brought in Kerry Hyder in, in uh, free agency, but he's more of a cleanup guy. He's not really a guy that's known to be getting to the quarterback all the time on his own. And uh, you mentioned Bobby Wagner. He's, he's getting a little older, but he's still rock steady in there. They've got a young kid in Jordan Brooks they really like with a lot of speed there. They're going to try Daryl Taylor out, their second-round pick from 2020. Missed the entire season in 2020. He's going to be their strong side linebacker. Guy. He's, he's pretty big for that, but they're going to test him there and see how he does. There's a lot of unproven type of situations with this defense. The defensive backside of the ball is, is still kind of up in the air a little bit, but they have some nice... Nice things going there, uh, but everyone seems to expect that pass rush to be the kind of the key to the defense this year, and I agree. Um, it has a lot of potential. The question is, can they actually make it happen? And if they can, I think the defense ends up being pretty solid, like a top 10 defense. You pair that with a top five offense, I think we've got a shot, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think the pecking order right now in the and the NFC West is still Rams one. I mean, Stafford's injury is a little concerning today with the hand. Um, with we'll the thumb, that. yeah. I mean, I'm not concerned about Acres for them. I think they can just produce whoever. Uh, Daryl Henderson's fine. Like they'll they'll just in, like, in that team, offense. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, a lot of it just depends on Whitworth's health. Like it, they are depending so much on him mm. blocking for Stafford on that left side, that left tackle spot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I if Whitworth plays 17 games. 
I think they won the division. If he's gets hurt or he misses several weeks, I I don't know. Um, I think the Seahawks are number two, double digit wins for sure. And then you look at the Niners, wild card to me. Yeah, huge wild card. And I think the Cardinals. Have you looked at the Cardinals schedule? There's four wins on there, guaranteed. That's it. <laughs> yeah, Cardinals you know everyone's tough in in the division itself. I mean, you t- you talk about producing a a, a Super Bowl you know, contending team out of a division. Uh, you've got to have a winning record in your division. And, and the last 18 teams to get to the Super Bowl have had winning records out of their divisions and so forth. This is a really brutal division. You know, you look at some of the national um, forecasts for wins and and so forth. The NFC West is producing four top 12 overall teams in the NFL. Uh, maybe top 15 if you say Arizona's a little behind that. I would say Arizona's but, not even a top 20 team this year. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. if you really take a look at their roster, and if you if you give Kyler Murray an opportunity, and Kingsbury can can put it all together on, on the defensive side as well, they do have an opportunity to to make some noise and win some games that they're not supposed to win, and maybe touch ten wins. And at ten wins, maybe they get into the playoffs, and maybe they have an opportunity. I don't know. But I might quit this show if they win ten games. <laughs> well, don't be surprised. I will I, be surprised. I will be absolutely floored. This schedule is brutal. I'm, they're trading Chandler Jones. He's been their best player on defense the last five years. I don't. I, I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, Chandler they're not extending Jones him. It's a whole money player. thing. Like the, yeah. they're not doing a, a long-term contract with him. So it's like it's over. Like if he's like you're not giving me an extension, then I'm out. I don't know. I don't man. blame him. I mean, losing you got to get Redick, what you can get. Losing him, losing Peterson. Yeah. I don't like this defense at all. Um, and I just think they're really one-dimensional on offense, and I I don't know I am not well. There, I I do believe they're definitely on at the bottom of the pecking order in the mm-hmm. division, but the division is so strong. I just I, I'm not sure. I mean, if you put the Cardinals in the you know NFC South, whoa for example, whoa whoa whoa, we don't have to we don't have to go after the NFC South. <laughs> we don't need to do that. We can leave the NFC out of this. The NFC South is where <laughs> boy, it's it's men among men in that division, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Julio or no Julio, things are great. I don't know what your your listeners are here. Well, it is a fantastic group of uh, individuals among I those. I have teams. no idea how the NFC South goes outside of Tampa Bay, like Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. And yeah, I, New Orleans is going to be awful this year. I mean, they were great last we year, but they've Sean lost so many coach. Dennis yeah. Allen's a top three defensive coordinator. Like the defensive True. pieces are still there. I just don't Allen know how they fall wins, off. Though. Yeah, talent, talent, talent. They've lost a lot of stuff. They have both their offensive tackles. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. I don't know. What are they going to do with quarterback? I, I, I'm right there with you. Like, I'm not a believer in Taysom or Jameis, but like, yeah. pieces are Jame, right. Jameis seems really confident right now. Those quotes are just out of the, this world. I, I can't. I can't watch any more videos of him working out or any of I, I, I just. <laughs> I am. I'm also just not a Jameis person. Not a, You're pretty excited, though, about football season coming up, aren't you? Oh, I mean, absolutely. The first game is like Thursday. I'm we're we're right that. there. I, I'm not watching the Hall of Fame game. I can't. I can't do it. I, I might football. watch the first quarter and that's it. <laughs> I, I, me too. You're, you and I are in the same boat there. Preseason just doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm excited for 18 game schedule and we're down to two preseason games. And then we get into it. That's when I'm going to be excited because this odd prime number bullshit. Yeah, it's got to go. You know. I, I was having a conversation with somebody. <laughs> Nobody has ever successfully implemented an odd-numbered season in anything and had it last. I don't even know how that's gonna that's gonna work. But we'll, well they're already planning on getting around it. They're like, they're, this is a stepping stone to eighteen. And I'm like, well, this just makes records and everything else just so convoluted. 
um, 20 years from now. Because if you change the number of games uh, three times in a 20-year span, huh, I don't It know. just gives, you know, more things for the analytics folks to do. They can, you know, they can figure that out. They, wow, they figured that out before, and there was 14 desk. games at one point, I think, you know, so. Yeah. Bill, what can we check out from you across the internet on your podcast? What would you like to play as we wrap up here tonight? Yeah, we're, we have some exciting news. We just joined a national podcast, the, the Pigskin po- uh, Podcast Network, uh, starting up on September 1st, and just uh, got cleared to be able to, to provide that information as well. So we're going to be doing that. It's give us a little bit extra reach on uh, on a new audience there a little bit. And we're still doing the, the same thing. We're out every week, uh, Seahawks Playbook Podcast. You can find us at seahawksplaybook.com um, uh, or hawksplaybook on Twitter. Um, I am at WCHawk on Twitter. We've got a YouTube channel, every major platform. Uh, we enjoy what we do. We've been uh, doing it enough to where we have 237 consecutive weekly shows in the books. Not to brag, but I do this every day, Bill. Every day. <laughs> it's no crazy. Day, I know. I, can't, I don't even know. That's, it's wonderful what you do. It's insane what I'm doing. It, it, it's a lot. Bless my girlfriend for putting up with this. I saw her I was for gonna... like two minutes tonight, and I was yeah. like, oh, I got three. And yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Actually, I won't because I have three more tomorrow. <laughs> well, good luck with that. But better luck with the season. I mean, I'm looking forward no to this football season. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got so many different things going, though. It's not just about football with you. You're, you've got, you're touching all sorts of stuff, culture and basketball and football, baseball. I mean awesome it's fun man it's fun and i have like shows like banshee to keep me sane where i get to watch uh cool shit like that and uh, fear street got to binge that i don't know if you you went into that on netflix but that was really good nice you nice. gotta have your your things you get you gotta have your things to escape because Downtime. um you you need to have things to escape and then you like it's all if you take it a day at a time it doesn't seem like a lot so when people talk to me i'm like no 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 no, no. we're on tuesday like i am looking at tuesday what is on my agenda today because if i think about the week and i think about 15 pods and all the stuff no no i will start to feel the knots rise yeah. my shoulder oh, you yeah. gotta do it a day at a time day at a time well good luck and uh, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed talking about uh, Seahawks football with you. And um, I know it's not your team. And I know it's probably not a lot of your listeners' teams. But yeah, I'm glad that everyone kind of gave it out a shot and uh, got to know what's going on out in the Pacific Northwest a little bit. No, absolutely, absolutely. I like to have variety. I like uh, I like I like talking with people that know more about the subject that I want to talk about than myself. So that people are learning Perfect. something. I'm learning something. I I think that's the most important thing. And uh, I think people are going to come away more yeah. insight into Seahawks. So you're contributing to the water cooler conversation tomorrow, Bill. <laughs> that's that's perfect. I think that's ex- exactly where we should leave it. Exactly, exactly. Bill, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, we'll thank do you. this again soon. Yeah, thanks, Chase. I appreciate it. All right, the Monday night edition of the Chase Most Podcast rolls along it is monday night so that means we are talking nfl on this very podcast where i am joined as i am every monday night my good friend evan swords of 49ers hub evan good evening sir how are you good man how are you doing not too bad not too bad how was the weekend were you overserved this weekend evan uh no i was not overserved um you tweeted that I, you thought you might oh well, i was i'm lying but no no no, no. i uh <laughs> I actually, um, it was a crazy, it was a crazy night. I, uh, um, 
<laughs> I went out and had a, a guy, uh, I had a guy, no, I had a beer with a guy who works at the NFL network as a big 49ers fan. So we were just kind of like chopping it up, talking about 49ers stuff. And then like ended up seeing a friend out and that turned into going somewhere else and turned into going somewhere else. But then Sunday I'm spent all day moving. So I am exhausted. Did you get any help? How did moving go for you? Yeah. I've got, had some buddies come, come knock it out with me. You How know? does that work when you're older? Cause like I have my parents and they helped me move here a few weeks ago and I, I know what it's like to move. It, it, it sucks. Like how does, how does that work? Well, so first things first, I am a child and every time <laughs> I move, I just sell my stuff, mm. and throw it away and then buy new stuff. So like I really legit only had like my computer desk and like my work set up and you know, all that. And then like my bed, and like I bought like a uh, bed frame that I actually like thought was like too cheap and I didn't like it. So I threw it away. <laughs> and so really just was like literally just clothes. Those wow. TV and uh, and some little things. And I'm going to buy new furniture. Okay. Also here, a first timer who I'm very excited to preview the NFC East with someone who's very familiar, wrote a piece on Devontae Smith and the Eagles today. Uh, in fact, Lori Fitzpatrick, Lori, good evening. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to talk, you know, NFC East and, you know, just chalk uh, it up with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, before we get into the NFC East and this horrid, horrid division that uh, we'll be talking about briefly tonight, um, I wanted to pick your brain. Lori, when you saw the Carson Wentz injury. It looks like he's been gone for five to 12 weeks. Um, what, uh, what was your immediate, what was your first thought to this Colts team and what it means for Indianapolis this fall? Uh, so being a, uh, a Philadelphia native, I, I have to say I was not, I wasn't that surprised. Um, but I was kind of heartfelt, you know, I've, I feel bad. You know, this guy was kind of excited to, to get into a new city and kind of get into a new rhythm. Um, but apparently this is a, a not not a new foot injury. You know, it came out that he's Frank Reach said that he's had an issue with his foot since like 2017, hmm. which is like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So it was just like, yeah, he's finally getting it fixed. Let's move on. And it was just like, what? So that was kind of interesting. He's also getting a bone taken out. Did I read that right? Like he's just getting a bone removed from his foot. <laughs> Is that a thing? Do people do that? I don't know. I guess like in, you know, North Dakota, you, uh, you know, you grow an extra bone in your foot. I'm not sure. Is that how that works? Like, is that, I, I don't understand the bison diet. You're it's just for hunting. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that. I saw that and I was like, what do you mean he's getting a bone removed? What? How does that work? Um, do you not need that bone in your foot when you're, um, Evan, what did you, what did you think? And did your mind immediately go, oh my God, Nick Foles, here we go yeah. again. Yeah, you know what's funny is – so, I mean, like, first and foremost, like we've already talked about, this is a previous injury, right? So he's already had this foot injury before, which I thought I thought was at least was fairly known. Um, so Carson Wentz getting this injury again and now needing surgery on this foot. Like, one thing, like, they were talking about maybe, you know, do we get surgery? But, like, yeah, absolutely go get surgery. He desperately needs it. So he's going to plant on this foot. Um, but, you know – there's been some really, 
really bad history when it comes to foot injuries. You think of Patrick Willis. Uh, you know, I'm thinking obviously 49ers, but you think of Trent Taylor, who uh, was very like breakout rookie star and uh, really struggled the last two years after his foot and surgeries and things like that. So, um, you know, I didn't like the Carson Wentz signing in the first place. I thought it was kind of a weird approach for a team that I think kind of has a Super Bowl roster. And I think they're kind of screwed now. Lori, what do you think? Well, I honestly, I didn't know that it was, this was a known thing. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I've, I kind of been removed from Philadelphia like the last year. Um, but you know, I was there and I, I really didn't know that he had something wrong with his foot. And honestly, it just, it reminded me of Ben Simmons. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are big NBA fans, yeah, but absolutely. another Philadelphia guy who had a foot injury and, you know, that kind of bothers him a little bit. Um, either it was Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, I'm not sure, but um, no, it was it, it was just like um, it, it just it just kind of stinks, you know, for him. Um, but I think they should actually pick up, you know, Garner Minshew uh, or maybe Nick Foles. You know, you never know. But I think it, it's a Frank Reach type of offense, right? So if you get the right quarterback, you can plug and play, and that's what he did in 2017. So I don't think it's like a huge deal. Like, this was kind of like a year for him to kind of get in the... I mean, it's a huge deal for him, but I don't think it's, like, that big of a deal for, for the Colts. I don't know if they were going to, like, take it all the way or anything. You say Super Bowl roster. I mean, yeah, they got they got good, um, you know, they got good guys on the roster, but I'm not sure if they were going to take it all the way. I mean, maybe because I have some Jacksonville pride in me. You know, the AFC South, there's a little bit of that, uh... <laughs> I don't know. Jacksonville's out here making people run nonstop. Urban Meyer, no, no, oh, yeah. no slacking, always moving. I, I'm not sure if I've ever been more certain that a, a coach is not going to last in the NFL more than two years than Urban Meyer. Like every report I see, I'm just like, oh no, he hasn't learned. Who is talk? Why is no one talking to Urban? What do you, what do you mean no one's allowed to walk around the practice? What, what is happening? Yeah, because you know the actual games of football, there's no walking around. There's there's no walking in an NFL game, folks. People you forget know, after after the huddle and stuff, but you know he's he's just trying to to get his his guys to have the Ohio State mindset. I yeah, don't know. that's not how it works in the NFL. These are men. Like that's just not gonna not gonna fly. I did think it was hilarious though. I don't know if y'all saw this. The Colts beat writer who pointed out like so Jacob Eason um, is filling in for. Uh, for Carson with him gone and Jacob Eason uh, I have a lot of history with he was the number one quarterback prospect uh, coming out of high school in milled nowhere Washington years ago um, Georgia gets hurt Jake Fromm takes over goes on a magical run he never gets his job back and then he transfers to Washington and his stock rises a little bit he's he's okay with Chris Peterson like he's fine still got a gigantic arm but the the accuracy is a question and uh, someone tweeted out that like he uh his favorite target thus far is bobby okiker Oku okariki uh who is a linebacker on the uh indianapolis colts so he threw two picks uh over the middle of the field um when he went in for his first day without um went so i would be terrified right now it's just the colts man it's just a bummer because like if andrew luck's just there if Andrew Luck's under center, we feel completely different about this team. The Andrew yeah, Luck stuff, true. it just looms so large over this team. They're built really well. I think the 
corner stuff and secondary stuff scares me with Blackman, with Willis, with seeing like I, I don't know about those guys yet. Um, DeForest Buckner obviously being um, an absolute mammoth, but also everyone's just in on their offensive line, like Nelson, Fisher, Smith, like they just have dudes everywhere. Um, they, the, the offensive line is win now mode. And Jonathan Taylor, I think, is prime for a breakout year. Um, Naheem Hines, they have dudes everywhere. I, I agree with Evan that they're, if the quarterback was there, they'd be okay. If you got an MVP-type season from Wentz, you bounce back with Reich, then things go a different way. But, folks, if you're not a gambler, I highly encourage you to not, like, don't mortgage the house uh, on the Titans winning this division, but, like, don't not do it because... Um, yeah, you have to. <laughs> I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Evan, what do you think? As far as who wins the division? Yeah, is it just like the Titans now? Is there is there a fix if Wentz is gone through just, I guess, are we I looking at mid-October? I, de- I definitely think the Titans um, are going to win the division. Um, but I, I didn't know how many games I was expecting the Titans to win. I mean, they've got a pretty solid roster, but like nothing really – excites me in terms of like a really deep playoff run i mean you know they can do things the way that they've done right they can be efficient he can take his downfield passes uh they can score a lot but like i you know it really kind of depends on what the defense does right because they were able to score points um i was really hoping the colts would have a competent quarterback because i do think they have like outside of the quarterback position probably the i mean i don't know i think they have the best roster in in, in the division um, hmm. Look at the offensive line and the linebackers they have, and and obviously their weapons, their running back, the receivers, etc. But I'm really curious because they keep saying that they are okay with Jacob Eason, um, which is an insane thing for me when you have this type of window. Um, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks available right now that you really could make somewhat of a concerted push with. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, I don't know that he's – like Gardner Minshew was exciting in that he could probably do some of the similar things that Carson Wentz could do, right? Like mm-hmm. Gardner had played played well and, and, and you know, done Super well, accurate. done bad, whatever. But um, I feel like there's like – you know, Marcus Mariota is a guy who has started in the NFL, and although he, you know, struggled mightily, right, this would be a significantly upgraded team compared to the Titans when he was – uh, there, um, you know, I don't think it'll happen, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely something they should at least inquire about. Um, Nick Foles is absolutely at the bottom of the list, but Lord knows he can do it. He's done it before. So <laughs> I think Carson Wentz, I, no man deserves that kind of torture if Foles gets traded there and he has to sit behind Foles because Foles gets hot. <sighs> I, I just, nobody deserves that. Nobody <laughs> deserves that. Um, yeah, I agree. Lori, when you saw the, terrible. <laughs> the Chubb extension, for the Browns. Did you like it? Uh, yeah. Mm. You know, he's, he's a good player. There's not really, and they, they're kind of on, like, they're kind of on the cusp of like, what is going on with them? Mm. Like, are they even like, are they going to be good? Um, and I think he's a player that they absolutely need. So, so you're, like you're, I'm, you're I'm not sure if they're going to be good. I just pegged them as like the co-favorites to come out of the AFC this year. Evan and I disagree on this, but I think their roster, their it's them and the and the Chiefs, one A, one B for me. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What do you I love like everybody. about the team most? What do I what? What do you like about that team the most? I mean, if you get the the ultimate season out of Clowney, him and 
Garrett. Um, I like Ward a lot. I like the secondary. I like um, I like just how this team looks. I like the offensive line. I like the two-headed monster. I like the fact that he'll be able to finish games. Like you get a healthy Del Beckham and Jarvis Landry. I I just think that they're so talented. Everyone at Baker's just like the fifteenth, fourteenth best quarterback in football this year. That they're they're going to be fine. He looked really comfortable in Stefanski's offense last year, and getting him a, the same coordinators and same coaches back back years is going to be huge for him. I suspect. So you said something that I want. I'm curious about. You said if we get kind of like that top tier season out of Clowney. What does that mean? Because he hasn't really lived up to his expectations, maybe at all. Like, so what to you, what does that mean? I think just a bunch of pressures being really dominant against the run, uh, making opposing defenses have to account for both sides of the, of the edge with Miles Garrett. Cause we just know Miles Garrett's elite. And if you just have somebody like Clowney on their side, like defenses or offenses rather having to just play for that and understand that like those two guys are on the edge. It's just, it's just gonna be really hard to account for if Clowney's healthy. Like I don't know how you how you stop that. You can't overload one side. You can't send help for for Garrett. You can't load up on that side because you got Clowney on the other. Like I just I don't know. I think there's a real chance that this Browns defense is special and the Browns offense is special. Yeah. But that's just me. That's just me. Um, Evan, do you buy the Bills putting pressure on? Uh, on the city of Buffalo and making that you're not going to believe this. The, the owners, the billionaire owners, Evan would like uh, taxpayers to pay for a new stadium um, in Orchard Park. Uh, so Austin's been floated out there. We've seen this story a million times. Uh, they, they throw out different teams. We're seeing that with the Oakland A's right now to move the team and be like, well, if you don't, we're not saying we're going to do it, but we do have this option out there in Austin, but it seems like every Cowboys beat writer shut that down. Like Jerry's not allowing another team in Texas, especially not Austin. Um, what, what do you make about the, uh, the Buffalo bills possibly leaving Buffalo? I mean, you know, when you think about like fervorish, like psychotic fan bases that love their teams more than anything <laughs> on earth, right? You think about like the Oakland, Oakland Raiders and they're fucking gone. So, like, nothing will surprise me at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if the Bills do really well this year, which they're kind of primed to do. Uh, If you remember the 49ers in 2011, after they did very well and almost went to the Super Bowl, right? They got a brand-new stadium in Santa Clara, which is nowhere near San Francisco. Um, So, you know, could I see that little switcheroo um right as they get really good and and you know yeah definitely would i do it i don't know man i mean like i don't know how you could take a team away from buffalo you get you get a really crazy crazy fan base there that i think you risk uh pissing a lot of people off what do you think Lori? yeah no i 100 percent agree um you know those fans just they love that team and, and they hate new england they're not gonna you know, transfer over to be New England fans. So it's like, you know, why take that away from him? Yeah, that's it's not realistic. I don't think, I don't think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna move away just because taxpayers maybe maybe don't want to pay for this stadium. But I think that's it's. I'm not gonna say it's common, um, but there are a lot of times where NFL teams go to the taxpayers in order to get those things. Um, like I know a lot about Jacksonville, and then that that's one of them teams that kind of. They have to, you know, 
go to the tax uh, payers, whatever those meetings are, and they all have to vote on, you know, what they're going to do with the team and maybe uh, add different additions to the stadium or like to practice facilities and taxpayers, you know, they pay that. So this is not anything new, I don't think. And, and I think it's just weird if they threaten to leave over that. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of weird to me and, and I don't think they're going anywhere. So. Yeah. I think if they went anywhere, it'd be Toronto. I think that's, that's. The oh, that would be cool. Yeah. You definitely get the, uh, I mean, they're already basically there, so I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I don't think that would be the worst thing on earth, but I do think that would piss off a lot of Americans that don't want their football team over in Canada. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think it would, I think Canadians wouldn't really like that either because, you know, they already shut down the Raptors you mm. know, in their stadium, so they're not going to want fans there right now. Yeah. You know, Canada with the whole COVID thing is not like... The Bleachers Halloween are back US. though, right? They just left Buffalo to go back to Toronto. Isn't it back open? Yeah, but... Yeah, no, it is. Um, but just the point, of like, oh, another twenty thousand people. Like, they don't want to have to. I'm sure. They yeah, that's be true. Too fond about that right now. That is true. Um, last thing, we'll get into our NFC East preview. Um, Lori, so Evan's a, a diehard Oregon and slash Justin Herbert stan. Um, he's recently come to the conclusion that Joe Burrow is the better of the two. Um, but you you tweeted picture of his tan line uh on his arm <laughs> and you said quote sleeves exist for a reason what yeah. do you what, what what do we do here evan are you okay with the the shots fired at the tan line and just Here, here's the deal mm-hmm. here's the deal this is what you need you guys have got to understand mm-hmm. um as a native oregonian which mm-hmm. me and justin herbert both are shout out you lived in eugene i'm from portland you guys just don't understand right 300 plus days a year of gray skies you don't know what sun looks like mm-hmm. and even when it is sunny out you're like you know you're not always outside um mm-hmm. the kid is all living and breathing football he moves to la it's obviously always sunny and he's just like all right well it's time to go out and practice the same way i always have and he probably puts the same clothes on that he's always worn when he when he you know practices or goes to training camp or whatever and he got his ass kicked but we don't know what sun is like we mm-hmm. don't understand like what that does like I, I right now currently if you were to look at my body have like seven different shades of skin uh, t- tone <laughs> on my body because the inside of my arms are like pale white and the outside are very tan um, and then I also have you know the shade where my Apple watch always goes and it's pale uh, <laughs> inside of my life legs yeah, and the inside of my legs are incredibly pale. The outside of my yeah, but you're not doing photo shoots, okay? Right. Mm. Right, but like, okay. Uh, listen, it's not. <laughs> you gotta. You don't understand. Like, it, this isn't. Uh, I don't. You know, I wouldn't even know. This isn't Russell Wilson, who's like taking photo shoots with his wife and like cares all about. Like, Justin right. Herbert is the ultimate football guy. He doesn't care about anything other than football. They were like. I mean, what was the first thing that happened when he got to training camp? He had to cut his hair, and he let his coach buzz cut it. Mm-hmm. He was like, "I don't fucking care. It look, looks fun yeah, to that me." Does not care what it looks like. That's for sure. If that if that's true, oh my gosh. So what I would say is, it's probably on the onus of the Chargers to Photoshop it, uh, maybe to give him a quick little spray tan because it's L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, or- you wouldn't allow that either, right? So, good. 
good. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, like something, right? Just anything other than uh, it looking like that. And so I'm, I'm thinking, like, did he get asked, like, hey, do you want us to Photoshop this, or do you want to put sleeves on and take it again? He said, no, I don't care. Just, just post it. I'm sure. Yeah. That's probably what it was. Um, so I think, yeah, it's up to the organization to kind of help him out if he does not care. But you know what? He's not a guy that he doesn't have like the swagger. He's not a guy that cares about that. So you know what? If that's people, what that's what people are going to talk about more than the bombs that he's throwing downfield, then so be it. That's his attitude, right? If anything, I like it. Just got to throw a shot somewhere, you know. Yep. I just wish he had more Joe Burrow in him, where it's naturally cool, where he's able to facilitate it behind a bad offensive line, where he's uh, willing to withstand a devastating knee injury to come back even stronger for his team. Wait, first off, what, in what mm-hmm. way has he come back stronger? You haven't even seen him yet. Oh, no, I've seen him. Seen I like workouts. my quarterbacks who don't tear their ACLs, no, to he's, be honest with you. No, behind that if offensive I, line, if no I Jenna Williams? Choose, I, I, I prefer my quarterbacks to finish an entire football season. That's just me. Joe Burrow is um, greater than the sum of his parts. People forget that. Um, also, just better hair choices, better style choices, better videos. Just Joe. I don't know. There's something about Joe Cool Burrow over Justin Herbert. I think we can all agree that uh, Burrow is greater than Herbert. Um, the NFC East, we will be talking about on this podcast. Um, I want to start with the Cowboys. I think going into the year, this is the Cowboys division to lose. When you look at this defense and the changes, like it, they're modeling it in Dan Quinn's uh, image, which as a Falcons fan can uh, attest, this is not great. But it was historically bad, historically awful a season ago under Mike Nolan. Um, it was just awful. Like everybody was awful. Injuries across the board. It, Randy Gregory was like the lone bright spot. It's like, oh, he figured it out. That's good. Um, it was just bad all across the board. The offense, though. Looks like it could be a top five, top four offense in football this year. A healthy Dak makes a huge difference. A happy Dak makes a great difference, like C.D. Lamb. Excited about that three-man, 11 personnel situation. Um, The Cowboys are kind of like the Titans of the East for me. Lori, when you look at the Cowboys, what is their biggest question mark for you heading into the season? And also, um, what, uh, what what are you looking at, and do you think they should be considered the favorites? Uh, so I'm I'm pretty much I'm looking at that defense honestly, and I actually I wrote an article on Jabril Jabril Cox as well, mm-hmm. um, like about a month ago, um, you know how he's gonna kind of help, you know Micah and and just like what this defense is right now, and you know like you're saying it, last year their defense was terrible, you know and now they have Dan Quinn, so he's there to kind of overhaul the scheme, kind of change it up a little bit. I believe he's moving it around from like a four three to a three four or you know, there's there's gonna be some movement up front. Um, but I think their biggest question mark is the safety position. And when when Dak was like healthy, what they went eight and eight. And then last year, you know, that they didn't, you know, do so well. But is he gonna be that is he gonna revert back to, you know, the 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 eight and eight? Is that the best he's gonna do? But you, you you really don't know, right? Because the offense was kind of up in the air. Um, I don't know if they are. I, I agree with it's their division to lose, um, but I don't. I'm, my expectation is not that high either, because defense is going to win games, right? And then you have the Giants' offense. You see that roster, and if your safeties are a big if, 
they're just going to throw bombs downfield, and it doesn't matter how good Dak does. Right? So I'm a little nervous. I don't, I don't know if they... <sighs> They might, they might be the favorites, yes, um, but it's tough, man. It's tough. They, they have a lot of question marks because, you know, they have a new coach there on the defense. So it's kind of about their, you know, cohesiveness and if they're going to be able to, to do those switches and, and if they're going to be able to handle the big offensive playmakers that are in the AFC West that they go against, the NFC South that they go against, and then also the NFC East, I mean, NFC East, <laughs> uh, uh wide receivers that joke was corny i was supposed, I was supposed to get a laugh from that <laughs> i always try to let people talk i thought it was funny <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's you know they're going against some big wide receivers it's it's going to be tough um i would say it's their division to lose it's it's going to be interesting to see how the first four games go to see if they're going to be uh the favorites to win yeah i mean at the end of the day the cowboys are the the you know, the heir apparent to the NFC East again this year, only because the rest of the teams on this in this division are yeah. lackluster at lackluster at best and or just question right, right? Well just straight up bad. I mean the 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 the, the Washington football team, like if they win eight, eight games next year, it's gonna be a thumbs up, right? If the Philadelphia Eagles win eight games next year, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna consider that as a win. That's a humongous thing. If they win eight games, I will be absolutely floored. I, I'm not I, sure. I only say that just because I do think that Jalen Hurts is going to be better than. Well, a let's lot save of the Eagles. Right? We'll get to the Eagles. We'll save them. Right, but but at the but the, at the end of the day, the Cowboys. Here's my big issue when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, and surprise, surprise, it's probably been everybody's fucking issue with the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> since the '90s. Right? <laughs> yeah. You scary. have this this crazy fan base that is just so just obsessed with nope our team is the best the cowboys in any other world are a really decent team they've got a good roster they have really exciting weapons good receivers uh you know a, a pretty good quarterback but they're not uh, to me they're no they're no way shape or form a super bowl contender Yet the only conversation you hear is Dak is a top two, top three quarterback, which I think is insane. He's not um, top two. He's top ten. I think it's just people get a little. Yeah. Top, oh, top you don't agree? Point. Okay. Where do you place him, Lori? Uh, well, you know, I don't want to sit here and go through all the quarterbacks are better, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't. Oh my gosh, it's tough, man. <laughs> I mean, I'd say you know, fifteen maybe. Mm. But that, but either way, that is totally fine. Yeah. My issue is you, you look at Dak right in the rookie year. He's got the best running, one of the best running backs in the NFL, and the best offensive line, and he plays really well under prime conditions. And then the next year, the line's bet bad. Things don't go as well, and he plays pretty bad. The year after that, things get cleaned up a little bit. Plays pretty well. So it's like. He cannot carry a team. That's what it sounds like to me. He has to have somebody else to kind of take the brunt of something in order for him to flourish. And that's not a, a that's not a top player in my eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean like that's so. So you have this team, right? That like everyone's like, oh no, they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to the you know deep in the playoffs. It's like if you don't want to have an honest conversation about the Cowboys, then I just don't know like why we're doing it. Right. Which all, thankfully all three of us are. Um, but like the Cowboys in the majority, and like there's a few different divisions in the NFL where the Cowboys might not even be the second best team. So 
thank God for the Cowboys that they once again have to go up against a pretty bad Washington, a pretty bad Philadelphia, and then like a Giants team that has a almost somewhat decent roster. Their offensive, you know, we can get there too. But like once again, Daniel Jones. So they're they're uh, they're going to be um, they're going to be playing to their advantages all year. Well, they have the best play caller in the division. Kellen Moore is great. If you just promoted Kellen Moore, to, I, like I don't understand why you just don't give him that coaching job. Just let him run everything. Um, he's unlocked Dak. Like he's unlocked this offense. This offense is going to be elite as long as Kellen Moore is calling plays. Um, the offensive line's good. Uh, getting Lyle Collins back will be super helpful. Um, outside of the center spot, like this offensive line's gonna be good. Zeke is impressing early in camp. You got him and Tony Pollard. Like C.D. Lamb might make Mari Cooper expendable next offseason. Like there's a lot of room for optimism. Like you can sell me on the Cowboys' offense being elite. What you can't sell me on is Jordan Lewis, Trayvon Diggs, Kelvin Joseph, um, their interior defensive guys. Michael Parsons being a difference maker year one, uh, Leighton Vander Esch staying healthy. The secondary, like you, you laid out, Laurie, about the safeties. Like it looks like Malik Hooker and Demonte Casey. <laughs> it's, I, I am, I'm quite concerned about who they have back there. And I think also just betting on a Dan Quinn defense in 2021 is silly. Like I just, I don't think this is gonna, this is gonna work. But if you're asking me, do I think they're hosting a playoff game next year? Yeah, I do. I think this offense is just going to be too good for him not to. If, Dak's, if Dak plays 17 games, they're going to be hosting a playoff game from my perspective, my vantage point. What about you? Uh, yeah, I can I can agree with that, definitely. If if Dak does well, um, I think absolutely. Um, just because, you know, their offensive line, one of the best in the NFL, and that's mm-hmm. what really pulls a team together. That's you know, I know we're going to talk about the Eagles, but that's why I think the Eagles, you know, may they're going to do a little bit better than last season. It's because of that offensive line. It means so much. Um, so just as long as, you know, Dak can pull it together, um, you know, I think uh, uh, Lamb is he's really good. We all saw the clips of him making those catches inbounds, out of bounds, on a catch, on a catch. doesn't matter. He's still a playmaker. So um, it's really up to that defense. And if. If they can kind of keep it together and, and, and Dak does well, then yeah, I think they host a uh, playoff game for sure. Moving to the Philadelphia Eagles team you're very familiar with. Um, Devontae Smith, young Marvin Harrison comps. Um, you mentioned the offensive line, which was a problem outside of Kelsey a season ago. Um, Godert might be the tight end no one knows is actually potentially going to be an elite guy this year. Um, they're giving every opportunity, quote unquote, to Jalen Hurts. Um, when you look at the Eagles, what is what is the case for optimism? What is the case for them not finishing last in this division, Lori? I think their offense. Um, I think from Miles Sanders uh, to you know Dallas Goddard, like you said, you, even if Zach Hurts stays on the roster, um, I think Zach Hurts is going to play a big role especially because Nick Sirianni the type of offense that he runs um you know he likes those two tight end sets are you going to run it with Miles Sanders or are you going to you know basically throw it to one of those receiving tight ends and then you know you put Devonta Smith back there Fulham did pretty good last year um you know their 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 wide receiver core is okay um, I don't think it's that bad, but obviously they have a pretty good offensive line. 
Uh, so that's where that's you know that's what it kind of comes down to um, on their offense. You know, can their offensive line block so that their quarterback can throw it downfield? And let's just say Hertz doesn't make it. They have Joe Flacco, who isn't that bad. Mm. You know, Joe Flacco is not terrible. Um, I think he could move the ball down the field, especially behind that offensive line. And and if Devontae Smith, this little kind of knee injury just isn't that big of a deal, I think, you know, they have a good chance of at least getting like seven, eight, maybe, maybe seven, eight wins. Honestly, it's 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 going to be definitely more interesting than last year. Mm. Totally. I definitely agree. I mean, I think the, the 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 problem that I have is the Eagles doing the thing that the Eagles always do and taking someone somewhere that they really just don't need to take. I'm fine with them keeping Jalen Hurts. I do think he can be an exciting person, right? But like, you know, it's funny that today we have news coming out of camp that Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern, um, you know, who obviously plays uh, for the Chargers, got drafted for the Chargers, right? He, uh, I think, didn't lose a rep, right? Legitimately didn't lose a rep. Has looked amazing in camp so far. Do you think the Eagles might do a little bit better with, uh, you know, a top-tier offensive tackle instead of uh, – an you know, a small shifty receiver, which they've had their whole career and never, you know, really, you know, they didn't win until he was gone. Um, you know, who's already has a knee injury. So I think there's other players like Micah Parsons. I mean, obviously we've already talked, you know, we'll talk about Dallas too, but like, I just, it just seems like the Eagles are, the Eagles taking Devonte Smith at, at 10 is a, is a move for a team, you know, that shit, like, that's got a playoff roster. Like, yeah. you know, the 49ers who had a bad draft pick, had they not traded up, right? Like that, something like that, right? Where they're like, well, our, we have a higher draft pick because our quarterback was injured last year. Like something like that. Like it's it's a it's a, it's a a greedy pick for a team that doesn't have the type of roster to justify that. And now they're going to go in again with like, you're not going to build your team around Devontae Smith. Yeah, that's, that's true. But they're a big playmaking type of team. Um, you know, they they get those big plays to kind of win them games. If, you know, I think that it was a good pick because if you look at their wide receivers, they had like the most drops. When they had Carson Wentz, he had nobody to throw to. So at least if you give, you know, if you give that, that whoever the quarterback is, guys to throw to, then, you know, plays can be made. And there's not that... Hall of Fame quarterback that like makes their wide receivers better. No, that's not going to happen. But if you if you stick it out for a year and have pretty good wide receivers that even next year will be even better and then you bring in a guy who's a top level quarterback, then you know, then there's something to talk about. This is the year that they're kind of just like wavering to see, hey, how are they going to do, you know, with not a great roster? Let let's see kind of, you know, how they could do. But I think I think it was a good pick because they they are a fast playing team. They always have been. Um, so I think they needed that playmaker, or else it's just like the fans aren't really behind them. And and that's the Eagles thrive on that. Everybody in the front office in the Eagles thrives on you know the fans just loving the team, the fans you know seeing that they have the heart to try. And like I don't think the offensive line did like that bad in order for them to kind of just like give up any playmaker you know ability or a shot at getting a playmaker i don't know i like the i'd like to pick um 
because they they haven't gotten a a top tier wide receiver in many many years. You know, T, like T.O. was the last like huge wide receiver that they got that was a big name. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, they they can use the the playmaker and and in itself, right? Devontae Smith is one of the more exciting receivers we've seen in a long time, even with his size. But you know, if <laughs> If Jalen Hurts is running for his life, he's not going to be able to get the ball downfield, right? And uh, you know, if, if your if your only hope is to have like little dump off passes to Fonte Smith and be like go get in space, please, did God score? Like I, I don't know, it's 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 going to be an interesting season. It's also just crazy that Devontae Smith rose because of an injury. Like for people who do not follow college football, like Devontae Smith, it was Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle. And Waddle was doing crazy stuff on kick returns, doing everything, and he got hurt in the Tennessee game, actually. But, like, that changed the trajectory that led to Devontae winning the Heisman. Like, none of that happens if Jalen doesn't go down. And it's just, it's a weird confluence of events for Devontae Smith and a rise for him. Um, but it's it's well-earned. Having watched a bunch of Devontae Smith tape, a bunch of Jalen Waddle tape, like, I would just assume, I shouldn't say, I would assume I would, I would bet on Devontae over Jalen. And... Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But when you needed your film study and you were looking into his game, like what about him for you makes you believe that his size will not be a problem navigating uh, NFL defenses? And uh, what makes you buy into him being a, a long-term wide receiver number one? Uh, because it, honestly, it, it's all about the separation. Mm-hmm. Um, as a wide receiver, it's not about the 50-50 balls and being able to get up there and, and fight off every defender ever. If you're a good enough route runner, like Larry Fitzgerald is, um, you know, like T.Y. Hilton is, like they're not huge guys that are going out there and, you know, bodying guys up. It's about how you run the route because against a, against a corner or against a defense, you have to react to somebody that's making an action right so they're already they're already one step behind you so if you're a really good route runner all you need is that little bit of separation and you're open so i don't i honestly don't think his size is an issue at all because you know he's able to kind of move his body in a way where the guys can't really touch him um and if you use him well if you use him in space uh, if you know you make him run a motion across the line of scrimmage to automatically get that separation, so he somebody's going to be chasing him. Or if you put him in the tights, you know, so the defense they have to do a switch, and then he's all, all automatically going to be open. It's all about kind of using him, and then he's able to manipulate the route or manipulate that defense. I think he's a good enough route runner to get that separation, and he's smart enough to get out of bounds too. They're not going to put him in danger by making him run over the middle and get smashed you know so i think it's about you know how you use him and you know allowing him to get that separation early but you know they said the same thing about marvin harrison and i know you know you mentioned it the the comparison before but he was small too but it's really about mastering your craft and that's what he does that's why he's so good because he literally knows the the angles to take after the line or after he gets the ball he knows how to you know take the angle where the defense is going to have to dive to try to get him and he's going to run for it you know and then he knows how to how to use the head fakes and his shiftiness and he he can read the defender's hips to know when to make his break and kind of cut back for the curl route or or make that you know quick slant he he's able to kind of get open and the separation is the killer i think that is that is his 
you know that that that's like his gem. It's his bread and butter. It's just the separation, not the fifty-fifty balls, not jumping up to go go, you know, get after it, not running guys over. You know what I mean? I just think it's it's the separation in his route running. Hmm. True or false, Laurie? In year three, Jalen Rager figures it out and has a successful campaign in Philly. Can I do one of those things where, like, I write true, like, I, I put the T and then I kind of put, like, a line in the middle so where it looks like the F, so, like, <laughs> the teacher doesn't know mm-hmm. if it's true or false? Mm-hmm. No, um, I think, I don't know, like, I think Fulham, the other wide receiver, does better, but I think, I think he, I think, yeah, he's going to take a step up because the attention is going to be taken away from him, and that's what guys like him kind of need. They, they can't be that number one wide receiver. That's what Aguilar was for the Eagles, and, and he didn't do well. So it, it's just about kind of giving him that space, kind of taking away the defense so he can flourish. But I think he's just going to take a, 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 you know, a minor step up. I don't think he's going to, like, outright kill it. You know, I think I think Fulham is going to do better than Jalen Rager. Yeah. It's just my opinion, you know. Evan, when you look at this roster, everything we just outlined – how many wins? Where do they finish for you? I mean, surprise, surprise. It all comes down to the quarterback. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I really do think it is going to come down to, to Jalen Hurts because I last year you, you definitely saw the offense do things that Carson wasn't able to do. Um, and, and I think that's exciting for that, for a team that, you know, remembers uh, and is reminiscent of the days of Michael Vick where you have, you know, a guy who can kind of move with his legs as well as throw the ball. And and I, and, and not to say that he's going to be Mike Vick, obviously, but like just having a little bit of mobility nowadays goes a long way. Um, they have a lot of things that they're going to have to shore up. Um, you know, their draft was pretty, pretty across the board, right? You know, they went receiver, they went OL, they went D-line, cornerback, running back, defensive tackle, defensive end. Like, they – linebacker, like, they literally, like, took one person for each position. So you can definitely tell that they're trying to, you know, plug some holes. Um, but none of that matters if Jalen can't get it going. Um, it, you know, if, if what Lori says with Devontae happens and he really becomes a top-tier playmaker in the league, you know – that'll be a very good thing for Jalen and, you know, having his legs as well as a deep threat that can really get, you know, spread the field out is, is a way to win football games. So I, you know, I, I just, I like, like we talked about, if, if they come anywhere near eight wins, I think that's a good season for them. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised or even think really that poorly of them if they only had five or six. Can I remind you real quick? They did pick up Landon Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, he wasn't like, you know, the top pick, like you were saying, but I think he's got to kind of take over in the future. I just wanted to throw that in there. Absolutely. I think they, six and 11 feels about right. Six and 11. I, I don't like betting against Jalen because he's like one of the easy to root for guys um, in this league. So I, I am pulling for him in that regard. So I hope Jalen has a good year. Um, I also think it's interesting that he got Devontae Smith because there's a reason Devontae Smith, Lori, do you remember why Devontae Smith is not a Miami Dolphin right now? And Jalen Waddle is. Um, no. See, people, we don't remember. The news cycle moves too fast. Devontae Smith was not the guy in Miami 
because Devontae Smith said that Mac Jones was better than Tua, and he played with both. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it was like, oh, oh yeah, you can't draft wow. him. It's like you can't draft him, bring him in, when he was just openly like, no, nah, I, I, I think Mac's better than Tua. So it was like, oh, well, we can solve this one. They're not taking uh, They're not taking Devontae Smith. We can go ahead and cross him off there. Um, Washington. Washington. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, like it's it's funny how little things like that just permeate throughout the league, and it, it's going to have lasting effects um, on both teams. Um, the Washington football team—they had the third best defense in football last year. Their offense sucked. Uh, they had nobody outside of Terry McLaurin, uh, Mr. Gibson. Running back has been a welcome addition there. I think he's going to have a great year this year. Fitzpatrick is in. Dwayne Haskins is out. Uh, Terry McLaurin got some help. Curtis Samuel. You got Deami De- Brown, who a lot of people are high on. You have Adam Humphreys, who was a cap casualty in Washington or in um, uh, Tennessee. And then you have this defense that's just loaded. It, it turns out just drafting Alabama dudes uh, over and over again pays off. Um, I like Landon Collins. I like Kendall Fuller. I like Jimmy Moreland. I like William Jackson the third. I like Jamin Davis and what he'll do to this linebacking group. Then you just look at Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young, and you look at it and you're like, okay, I, I just I don't know how this defense is not elite again, especially with Chase Young. And then I think the offense can't be any worse. So I think it's hard for me to outline a scenario where the Washington football team do not win at least eight or nine games. Evan, do you agree? Yeah, you know, I mean, the 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 football team really is uh, doing a lot of things very similar to how the 49ers did, right? They, mm-hmm. they built out that defensive line, first-round picks, Jonathan Allen, uh, Chase Young. Um, the, you know, honestly, like, I, I really do like their core defense. Uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker from Kentucky, I didn't really hear much about him throughout the draft process. Not that I know everything, because most of the time I don't know shit. Um, <laughs> but I, you, you know, I hadn't heard a lot about Jamin Davis. So, um, you know, if he pans out, you know, you're you're once again you're filling that 49ers profile, right? Where if you can get if you can get a very strong linebacker in this day and age to play with a strong defensive front, right? They kind of cover a lot of bases. Uh, but like, I just. The quarterbacks, man. It's just sad. But, I mean, Fitzpatrick was good last year. He's a good quarterback. Fitzpatrick is not good. He is good enough to win you eight or nine games. No, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I am tired of it. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a nice man with a beautiful beard, and he looks ironically good slash funny in aviator sunglasses. Mm. His hair is too long. He's a great guy. He's not a good fucking quarterback. He never has been. He never will be. He's fine. He's 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 enough for a couple exciting passes. Ryan Fitzmagic, whatever. But he's a bottom bottom like bottom ten quarterback at best. And I wouldn't want him anywhere near a starting position on any football team in the NFL. And whenever he does end up starting for a team, it's because that team has given up for the year. <laughs> Lori, what do you think about all that? No, that was great. <laughs> that was that was great. I mean, he he hasn't won a playoff game, and then he's been on how many teams? And no, he hasn't gotten the chance. People have given him chances, you know, and he hasn't come through. It's hard to say this though because you know we're you know cousins from an, in another world. You know, Fitzpatrick. You know, it's, it's my Fitz bro. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I love it. 
uh, you know, he's a smart guy. He, he has a nice beard. You know, good face, good strong jaw. Very uh, all very important. <laughs> all very important when it comes to photo shoots. Mm-hmm. But unlike Justin Herbert, you know, he cares a little bit too much about his face. Mm. Um and uh, that's not going to win you football games. I always think that Washington does well, or will they always win the division when all the other teams do terrible? That's the only time that they, like, do, like, well. You know, when there's something going on with every other team in the NFC East. So, like, yeah, they, they have, you know, they're a top three defense. Um, but, you know, like he said, it's, it's, it's this offense and it's fits magic. You know, can... Can he do it? Can he take, you know, Harry Potter in this offense, you know, to, to the promised land? The answer is no. I don't think I don't think so. I think the defense is going to be great. You know, they're going to do it again. Um, I don't think Fitz is going to be able to carry them there. Um, I think, you know, they go eight and, uh, eight and nine or something like that. I think they're just going to be – they're just going to be okay. I think mm. – you know the defense is going to be really good, uh, but it's all up to Fitz, right? You know, it's all up to the quarterback, right? So uh, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be the one. But see, to what's take interesting it. is I don't think it's a quarterback situation here. Like I think Philly, no, 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 it's not. I think we just saw what they were last year. They won the division without a quarterback. Like, but like I said, <laughs> they they only win it when every other team stinks. And that's the, the case this year, though. But I think the Cowboys are going to be better. I think the Giants mm. have a better roster. You know, Saquon Barkley comes back, and I oh, I'm excited to dog on this but... Giants team. We're all in. A, like everyone's just buying this this Giants stock. I, I can't do it. I, I'm, oh my goodness! Shout out to Steph Smalls. <laughs> can't do it. I, I'm I'm already Love getting. Death. Mm-hmm. I'm already just the blood's boiling on the Giants takes. Um, I just don't. I, I Jonathan Allen, Chase Young. Deron Payne, Monte Sweat, like that front four is just ridiculous. That like Brandon Scherf, Leno Jr., Flowers, Willie, like Cosby in the second round. Like, there's talent all across the board. McLaurin's an elite receiver. Bringing in Curtis Samuel's a big get for them. Gibson's a really good running back in today's NFL. He's a he's borderline top ten, top twelve. Like, they have talent everywhere. Like Washington's building a really good winner. And I just I don't see like they're I think the Cowboys ceiling is higher, but I think the team and the the reason I like Washington, maybe perhaps the biggest reason, is that I think they have the highest floor and it's not particularly close. Like I think it's going to be really hard for Washington to be bad. I think it's going to be very easy for them to be average. Very very easy. I think it's going to be very difficult because of the Fitzpatrick thing of them being elite. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Then we. Okay. Um, record predictions. Where do they finish in the NFC East, Lori? I think they finish. Oh, well, you know, I said eight and mm. eight and nine, or maybe nine and eight. Okay. Do they make the playoffs? Yes. Okay. Evan, what about you? I think they absolutely can make the playoffs, like they did last year, in the same fashion. Um, but I, I actually am gonna say this. I think the Cowboys win this division. I think we've already accepted that. I'm not uh, accepting it. Like it's it's Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and Dak Prescott in this group. No, it's the Cowboys. I'm not accepting that. It's just their division to lose. There, it is their division to yeah. lose. That, that's but that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a little, we're, we're saying the same thing. You're just 
you're just saying it in a different way, which I still <laughs> agree with, is that the Dallas Cowboys are fucking overrated. Um, the Giants have a fairly solid roster when you look at like those middle tier teams. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys let them, you know, like if the Cowboys struggle, which I don't think they can struggle enough to, for the Giants to catch them, but if they did, you know, and then let's say let's say Jalen Hurts just isn't it, right? It's the reason he got drafted in the second round instead of the first round. People were right. He's just not. He's not that guy, pal. He's not that guy. Um, right? Like, if, if all of those things happen, I think the football team can absolutely take advantage like they did last year. But I do think that – I just think it's going to be the Giants and the Cowboys. Mm. So I don't know if there's going to be room for little old Washington. Well, let's get into the Giants. Let's get into our last team tonight. Um, a lot of pressure on Jason Garrett to get this offense right. They were one of the worst offenses in football last year. Uh, their first round pick, uh, Andrew Thomas, stunk. One of the worst pass blocking offensive tackles. They bring in Kenny Galladay, which was a great addition. Uh, draft Kadarius Tony. Um, having watched a lot of Kadarius at Florida, that dude can play. Mismatch machine. Your dude, Dante Pettis. <laughs> uh, Evan in there. In, yeah. In 49ers legend. 49ers legend. But the defense with Patrick Graham, it's been great. Like it's an elite thing. It's a saving grace for this group. Big year for Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley is ostensibly back. Um, this offensive line just stinks. Like I have questions all across the board on this offensive line. I've questioned about Daniel Jones development. I've questions about Saquon Barkley staying healthy. I have questions about this pass rush. Like they drafted Aziz Ojolari in the second round. He has a bad knee. Not really sure about that. The secondary. Um, all right. Well, we'll see. There's some dudes. Dory Jackson, Logan Ryan. Uh, Julian Love didn't work out. Xavier McKinney, we'll see. Jabril Peppers is fine. James Bradbury, good. But, like, the defense was a, was pretty solid last year. But they really need this offense to, if they really want to make a jump at the Cowboys, if they make a run for them, their offense has to be significantly better. And I'm just, I'm not sold on this offensive line. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones being the decision maker who will get them there. And I'm not sold on Jason Garrett being the guy who can guide them there. Uh, Lori, what do you think? Uh, I I agree with you, um, especially with Jason Garrett not being the guy to bring you there. I mean, yeah, their offense on paper is amazing. You know, it's just they they have so many playmakers. Like like you're saying, Kadarius Tonis, John Ross III, Kenny Dolly, uh, Darius Slayton, like these Sterling Shepard. It's just these guys are are playmakers, you know. But um, can Daniel Jones stop throwing interceptions? You know, twenty two interceptions over two years, twelve year one, ten year two. Offensive line is terrible. Sacks are going up. You know, he he had twenty four TDs in two thousand nineteen. Then it went down to eleven in two thousand twenty. Like now they have more weapons. Um, but they had, like, in 2019, they they had like, they went four and twelve, you know, and they had more touchdowns than they did in 2020, you know, like it doesn't make sense. So um, I just I just don't see how the offense can pull it together, and I don't see them finishing first or second. Honestly, we agree, we agree. Um, Sorry, Evan, make the case. Steph, uh, <laughs> my girl Steph. Well, she's been on the podcast, friend of the pod. She is long-term friend of the pod. Evan, we are, are you sticking with Steph or are you siding 
with let me check my notes here the correct opinion havers chasing laurie well i mean here's the thing you know i'm i'm just glad that steph is not on the pod right now because mm-hmm. it's and i told her as much i was like it's going to be a little bit easier to talk about the giants <laughs> without you right there breathing down my neck um no but she she you know she had a good point um we've talked about the giants ad nauseum actually um the offensive line is is going to be a, a big problem I personally, I don't know if it's just me and how how much faith I have or get excited in, you know, top end offensive tackle talent in the draft. But I think Andrew Thomas has a very good chance at a little bit of a redemption. Uh, also, by the way, two 49ers legends uh, that they have recently added in Alfred Morris and Joe Looney, uh, running back and offensive tackle. Um, I don't know. I don't know what where to put the Giants because of some of the things you guys have already talked about, right? They have really exciting weapons. Can Daniel Jones get them the ball? Right? Like Saquon Barkley to me is still one of the most insanely talented players and one of the most exciting football players in the NFL. I have no worry at all about him tearing his ACL ACL at all. I fully believe we're gonna get like almost like the exact same Saquon Barkley we always have. He's fucking insane. I mean, the man is just an absolute monster. Those quads are bigger than my ego. I'm so excited to watch him play football again. Honestly, two of the most exciting players in the last 10 years for me offensively have been Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon, and and they were both giants. So I'm very excited to see what Saquon can do again. Darius Slayton is an incredible wide receiver, three, two, depending on where you put him, how well Tony does. Dante Pettis as a wide receiver four is insane. I have been screaming about it for so long, but for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure Dante tried to have, tried to like sleep with Kyle's wife or something. I don't understand, but he hated Dante Pettis and he never got a chance to play ever. Uh, and I think last year when he got traded, or excuse me, when he signed, you know, went to the Giants, um, he really legitimately like played better. And, and had a couple plays where you like he really still does have that route running he can be an exciting player um so i don't know what they're going to do about the offensive line but they definitely have the weapons uh as far as the defense goes you know they don't they don't have a bad defense um but what but then you have to think about that like what is all that equal where where do you slot a team like that in can they win 10 games probably not Probably not we're close to that. Could they maybe win eight on a 17-game season? Maybe. Um, but once again, kind of like the Eagles, if they win six games, I'm not going to be that surprised. It wouldn't necessarily be like a letdown in my eyes. I, I think, you know, I think they, they might want to get some offensive tackle help the next couple of years. I mean, Nate Solder and Andrew Thomas look like they're, they're tackles going into this year. I just... I don't know. I, I'm out. I'll, I'll have to see it to believe it with the Giants. Uh, Lori, your prediction, where they finish? Number of wins for the New York football Giants. Um, third place. Uh, I think they get um, seven seven wins. Uh, and, you know, I just, I don't really like their defense. I don't really like their linebackers, you know, who, who they have. And I just think it's going to take them another year you know, for their offense and, uh, and, you know, for, uh, Daniel Jones to really, uh, pull it together. I think it's going to take another draft for the offensive line to really, uh, be cohesive. I just don't think 
think they're going to finish third. That's it. Yeah, I think that's, that's about fair. I, uh, Let me add a follow-up. Let, let's do add a follow-up for both of you guys. Jason yeah. Garrett is still the offensive coordinator after weeks, week 18, I guess now. True or false? False. Yeah. Uh, true. You? Because Ooh. that motherfucker doesn't know how to get fired. <laughs> yeah, He's like got a voodoo spell on every team he's ever played for. He is terrible. And I can't even believe that the Giants, after watching him in this division for as long as they did, were like, yeah, come call plays for us. Jerry uh, Jones has a spell on these guys, I'm telling you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wholly, wholly believe that he finishes the entire season now, and maybe we look at firing him at the end of the year. Okay. Wins, and do they make the playoffs? No. Okay. Yeah. But, hey, you. once again, can't say it enough. I will be rooting for the Giants this year <laughs> because of Steph, which is a fucking weird thing to, for me to say because, obviously, as a, uh-huh. a 49ers fan, I have a lot of pent-up hate and anger uh, uh, towards that team and Eli Manning, but, uh, you know. Uh, Same. I thought you were. Uh, uh, I thought the Falcons were your your team of the of the East outside of the the Niners. Me, I mean, you know, what can I say? How could Steph, you? Uh, is a uh, no. I mean, I am a I am a Forty ers fan mm. who is also now a Chargers fan because of uh, Justin Herbert and that dumb fucking tan line of his. Um, but I, I like you know what I'm saying. Like I will. I have teams that I'm not going to necessarily – like, I'm not a fan of these teams, but I'll be mm-hmm. rooting for them when it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to root for the Jets. You know, I want Robert Sala and the 49ers East to do well, right? Um, you know, I, I, I want to see the Falcons win games because of you and how oh, long we've man. done pods together, right? Like, um, so, you know, definitely. But, uh, but yeah, no. Um, you know. Okay, yeah, we'll see. There you go. Lori, uh, this was great. Um, what can we check out from you across the internet this week? What would you like to play as we wrap up here tonight? Uh, so I actually, uh, you know, I have something on Waddle coming out. Well, you know, you guys mentioned mm. Tua and the Dolphins, so you can check that out on the Touchdown Wire. Nice. Um, and uh, my Ponytails Talking Pigskins on YouTube. It's a podcast slash film session that I put out on each uh, each article that I write. Um, and then some like side stuff just like overall in the NFL so it's like a podcast um, you know like I said slash film so yeah and uh, also on Twitter um, you know I I pretty much you know follow and, and cover the Jaguars uh, so you you can always catch me on there at Laurie Fitzpatrick to see some cool Trevor Lawrence takes there you go Evan oh, yeah. at Evan Sowards Sourds, I think it's Sourds, Swords, Sourds. I, why do you hate me? <laughs> 400 podcasts I've done with you. I don't even know how many you pronounce. My, Lori, my last name is li- literally, it's Swords. Mm-hmm. Like two of the weapons, right? Plural. Like <laughs> two how of the fucking hard is it for forget? It's that. not even forgetting. It's just like if you We've want people been... to find you on Twitter, we have to say Sowards because no, they're not going to no, find Swords. Because the people that are going to find me on Twitter have already found me <laughs> as my account got deleted and I got these people back, right? Like the people that are following me now is basically all I can expect for it this time. By the way, did you see that anybody over like 5,000 followers now can pay, get paid to promote uh, the COVID vaccine? 
No. What? I don't know wow. the details. I just saw that, that they're looking at like influencers and things like that. And I'm like, you motherfuckers took my Twitter account away. And now I can't even, now I, they fumbled the bag for me. Well, I, I can pick up that bag. That's me. Yeah. You just outlined yeah, it for me. Can. Let's do it. And um, because I told you, I want 20%. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> That's fair. No, but yeah, by all means, the one thing I will say to mm-hmm. uh, any of my 49ers fans or anyone that are interested about any stories involving, you know, Jimmy, Trey, all the above, uh, 49ers Hub is, is back in action. Our writers are churning out articles uh, with the season right around the corner. All right. Go do that. Keep up the great work, guys. Evan, I will talk to you next week. Lori, thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for having me. It was fun. (laughs) Pleasure. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.